Well, mystery and intrigue really surrounding notorious bank robber John Dillinger, and he's been getting renewed national attention now ever since 13 Investigates broke the big news about a permit to dig up his grave right here in Indiana. Yeah, and our own Alyssa Raymond has been working on this story for several weeks now so far, and since we released the first details on Monday night, mm -hmm. is anything else being said about this? So many people are intrigued yeah. by the story. Andrea, everyone, everyone is talking yes. about this, except the people closest to this. They're keeping quiet about it, but here's what we do know. If everything goes as planned this will be part of an upcoming documentary on the history channel the production company behind this wants to find out what's in that grave in crown hill cemetery is there even a body and if there is is it john dillinger here's one man who says he knows john dillinger is buried in section 44 lot 94 of crown hill cemetery this is jeff scalf he was the director of game operations and entertainment the Indiana Pacers franchise. Dillinger is his great uncle, and he lives in Dillinger's childhood home there in Mooresville. He's not the relative who applied for the permit, though. He says he's denied several previous requests to exhume John. He thinks this whole recent attempt is disrespectful and shameful. Do you see any benefit to exhuming him? No, because I already know it's John. Unless, unless somebody... Uh, was successful in, in robbing the, the grave, uh, that's John. You have to be willing to rewatch a movie. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Quick, quick, quick. Hey, Please don't aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Their defense is atrocious. I'm the rock star. Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China. We love no playing there. Oh, man. I'm sorry. sorry. It's just hit me right now. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? All right. We're back. Ben Craw, the, uh, the New York Knicks own the advantage in the 94 Eastern Conference Finals as we approach Game 4 today in Indianapolis at the Market mm. Square Arena uh, as, as they take on the Indiana Pacers. Ben, how are you, man? How you doing? How you feeling? How you holding up here as we flash back to 94 uh, for the Eastern Conference Finals? Chris, I feel great. I have never felt better in my entire life. Um, it's just such a uh, a delight, a, a wonderful, pleasant trip down memory lane um, to, you know, we, we do this podcast, as, as we've discussed uh, multiple times, to uh, as, a, as a refuge, as a, a haven, a an escape from the uh, sort of, um, you know, depression and drudgery of our current world. Um and now uh, we have the privilege, the pleasure to escape to um, a, a much more beautiful, wonderful, magical place. Of course, that is Market Square Arena <laughs> yes. in 1994. Oh, um, you know, Madison Square Garden might be known as the world's most famous arena, yeah. Chris, but Market Square Arena is Ben Craw's most favorite arena. Um, <laughs> It really is. It's the place where I go uh, to feel it's happy. happy. It's place. my happy place. Yeah, it's your happy place. Yeah, undoubtedly. So I really couldn't couldn't be more excited uh, to spend another another glorious 1994 Knicks playoff game in my happy place in Market Square. You know, Ben, I've been thinking a lot about our uh, our podcast here. You know, it is 
Uh, I would say, you know, it's loosely sometimes a basketball podcast, um, but more and more, Ben, it is definitely specifically in this playoff series becoming a uh, a true a true crime podcast. Um, we, <laughs> as as we have sort of begun to unpack in the last few episodes, this is a team, the Indiana Pacers, filled with some of the most. Um, treacherous criminals that the National Basketball Association has ever known. We mm-hmm. began with their, you know, with their crime leader, um, Larry Brown, head coach Larry Brown. To really cover the Pacers. In one of the most exciting seasons ever, News Channel 13 knew they needed to get the best, the most knowledgeable, someone who really knew the team inside and out. I think they made the right choice, and so do we. Coach Larry Brown joins the News Channel 13 sports team all season long, only on 13 WTHR. A man who worships the dark arts, who um, lives in his basement, who wears large suits. We don't know where he gets those suits, but they're much too big for his body. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Charlie Adams. It's hard for tall, thin guys like me to find clothes that fit just anywhere. Instead, I save time and serious cash by going to the store that specializes in hard-to-fit, Value Center Big and Tall Outlet in Elkhart. With their incredible selection, I find just the size I need, like slacks for under $20 to top-of-the-line Hart Schaffner and Marks. Our great in-road dress shirts, all at 50% off regular retail prices. Tall and thin, short and wide. Big and tall because big guys got to look good too. We don't know who previously wore those no suits. No idea. And we would never ask. You know, we're too terrified to ask. N- no, no. But part of this, you know, podcast is unpacking, is beginning to ask the questions to wonder about where did those suits come from on Larry Brown's body? We wonder. Yeah, we're tugging. We're tugging at, at wallpaper here. We're tugging at like a little tear in the wallpaper, mm-hmm. Chris. Um we just think it's probably just like a little innocent tear in the wallpaper. We could probably just, you know, rip off a corner and, and patch it up real quick. Um, but it turns out that it's not quite as simple as 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 we think. Um, not a little more, a little more. Uh, it goes a little bit deeper than meets the yes. eye. Now, ben, uh, once we start talking, yeah, like we like we said, you know, Larry Brown may be the the uh, the the ringleader of this criminal enterprise, but he certainly isn't the only member of the criminal enterprise on this Indiana Pacers team. Last week, we began yes, talking about um, the director of in arena operations, Jeff Scalf, who tormented you through your childhood by piping in noises of race cars in Market Square Arena. This is someone that comes from a great um, tradition and legacy of crime. Uh, Ben, I know you've been doing a a little bit of research into Jeff Scalf's background and history, and it turns out he is, in all seriousness, this is something our audience can verify on the internet, this is a man that comes from the John Dillinger family of crime. Is, is that not correct? Yeah. That is somehow incredibly, uh, improbably correct and true and, and uh, a, a verified fact, Chris. He is a descendant of... You know, it's funny. I Before I found this out uh, through research, I noted down um that you know sort of for our podcast uh and and the history of our podcast you know we have an enemies list we we keep a list of names um you know as as all organizations i think do and should um totally appropriate um Mm -hmm. and as i 
you know, sort of um, learned about uh, Jeff Scalf, I, I quickly decided he was going to be our public enemy, number one. Yeah. And then it turned out that um, he is, in fact, related to the most famous public enemy, number one, that is the gangster John Dillinger. Like his contemporaries, Bonnie and Clyde, John Dillinger sprang from a humble home. The greater part of his youth was spent on his father's farm in Morgan County, Indiana. By the age of 10, he had become a selfish, sullen brat. This was to be Dillinger's only true home. Most of his adult life would be spent in prison or in flight from the law. Mooresville, Indiana. Dillinger began his life of crime in this small town when he and an accomplice assaulted the 65-year-old owner of this grocery store. The aged victim recognized Dillinger, and the youth soon found himself incarcerated in the Indiana State Reformatory. He is a great nephew of John Dillinger's, and who oh boy, I mean, let's, we're going to have to, like, yeah. I know I say this a lot, but we are literally going to reserve a full, or at least a mini episode yeah. for Jeff Scalf and the saga of John Dillinger, Um we can't get into it all right now because we have a game to discuss. No. Um, yeah. But suffice it to say, um, Jeff Scalf is there's there's just so much more to the story than I ever had any inkling. Um, again, the more the 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 more we tug at this at this thread, uh, the more we unravel. And I we're still not. I mean, I mean I'm I'm quite confident yeah. we are nowhere near the bottom of this rabbit hole. No, but um, needless to say, I don't know what we're gonna find. Yeah, our audience needs to know and understand as we talk about the Indiana Pacers that Jeff Scalf is a man who, in addition to being the director of in arena operations for the Pacers in the mid '90s, was also a man that. Um, vehemently defended the legacy and uh, the honor of John Dillinger. He made it his life's work. He is the president of Dillinger LLC. Um, and uh, like you said, we will we will we will unpack more of that in a in a deep dive in a, in a mini dive uh, at a to be determined later date. But it's something we need to acknowledge, and uh, yes. this is something that we take very seriously as we evaluate the Pacers. Yeah, we need to take it seriously, Chris, because there's a a, a non negligible chance here, a a um, more a greater than zero likelihood uh, that if we slip up a little bit in our wording here, Jeff Scalf could personally sue us. Um, I don't know how much you've been reading about him. Uh, but if we, um, I mean, you know, we're, we're obviously not the most prominent, um, basketball or basketball adjacent podcast in the world. Um, you know, we're not, we're not there yet, but I'm pretty confident that Jeff Scalf is a, is someone who will track us down, will somehow find us. And if we, um, speak inaccurately, about his, uh, his relative, John Dillinger, he will sue us, um, so let's just be really careful here, Chris. Okay. Um, I've already consulted multiple lawyers. Um, I think we're going to need to protect ourselves wow. uh, going forward. Um, so just want to put that out there, put that on your radar. Um, just be very, very cautious and, and prudent with everything that you say about Jeff Scalf from here on out. We're watching our words around Jeff Scalf and John Dillinger. And then, Ben, yeah, like I said, this is also a, a team, the Indiana Pacers, that employs the likes of of Reggie Miller, one of the great one of the great NBA villains that's ever played the game. 
Um, it's a team of enforcers with the Davis brothers. These guys are just not to be messed with. These are these are mean, nasty, blue collar guys, and uh, we take them very seriously. So, uh, wow, mm. I you know I again I have to say. I never imagined that we would be doing a true crime podcast, but here we are. It's undeniable. It's happening. And uh, I'm proud that we are on the right side of history here with our ethical uh, lunch pail, blue collar, hardworking New York Knicks. Yeah. Are you ready to hop into this, Ben? Let's, let's, uh, I mean, I, I guess I am. Yeah. I, there's no, there's no, uh, <laughs> putting this off any, any okay. further. I think we have to just face, face what we're, what we have in front of us. So for the sake of brevity, keeping the show moving, uh, Ben, we are going to talk today about game four. We're going to try to get through the first half of the game as quickly as possible, talking in more general terms, and then we'll break into some more specific stuff in the third and fourth quarter. But here it is. We have the Indiana Pacers and the New York Knicks in game four of the 1994 Eastern Conference Finals. The date, Ben, is May 30th. We are at the Market Square Arena. Today's game is on NBC Sports. Of course, we have Marv Albert and our friend Mac Lucas. Basketball is a game of emotions. From riding the crests of the highs to absorbing the pains of the lows, where ultimate success is directly attributed to control. To me, emotional stability you know, goes hand in hand with championship basketball. The emotional stability of the Knicks rests squarely on Patrick Ewing's shoulders. But in game three, it was a dismal performance. One point, perhaps the lowest point in his career. Without his leadership, the Knicks became unglued. Their confidence, once so high, now badly shaken. An emotional letdown. A moment they would like to forget. An emotional trip home ignited the Pacers. But consequences of a third straight loss would have seemed insurmountable. But adversity seemed to be the catalyst that inspired their play. Now, in other victory, but emotions can change quickly. The emotions that could decide a championship. is the NBA on NBC. The 1994 NBA Playoffs. Big time uh, NBA on NBC playoff basketball intro. Uh, very, very stirring, very emotional stuff there. Um, Marv, right out of the gate, notes that it is a glorious sports weekend in Indianapolis because, of course, uh, as we may remember, Game 3 was taking place just prior to the running of the the wonderful, famous, uh, We, you, you and I uh, know it, uh, all our listeners know it, we love it, the Indy 500, um, you know, my personal Super Bowl, I don't know about you, Chris, um, I prefer to any other sporting event out there for my money. The Indy 500 was uh, was yet to be run during Game Three, but uh, luckily, as we progress, um, you know, forward in time here, now for Game Four, the Indy 500 had just previously been run 
uh, the, the day before. Al Unser Jr. takes his second Indianapolis 500 and his dad's crying. Well, he's got reason to cry, Paul. So Marv makes sure that everyone is aware of that fact. This is a celebration of race cars. This is a celebration of Indiana culture. Um, everything that the Pacers, you know, of course, the Pacer name is a is a uh, you know a reference to the the pace car, um, which I don't really understand. Like the pace car is like the slow car that makes all the other fast cars stop. Is, if I'm, I understand that correctly, is that right? Is that what a pace wow. car does in a, in a not, race? Do you I, know I'll what a, with you. I don't know enough about car racing. Then. Car racing was never. Um, yeah, a pace car. Let's see. I'm looking it up right now. A pace car uh, is a car that sets the pace and positions racers for a rolling start in a warm-up lap or laps before a race, um, or that returns to control the pace in temporarily hazardous conditions. So the pace car is like. It's basically the cop. It's the cop <laughs> car that come that, that comes out and like yeah. makes sure that all the other fast cars are not going too fast. Yeah. You know, we've got to like make sure that we're all going the same pace. Um, Isn't that so ironic? that is that is what the yeah that is what the Indiana Pacers represent. Um, a team that and, claims uh, to be a bunch of cops who, in fact, are a bunch of villainous criminals. Incredible. Yeah, it's very confusing and, uh, and and contradictory. They don't really know what they're doing. But um, anyway, yeah, it's also Memorial Day weekend. This is May 30th, 1994. Um, I felt like every, for some reason, like every one of these games in Indianapolis felt like a football game. Like mm. it felt like every, I know that they're, I mean, I guess game three was like on a Wednesday or a Thursday, I but I, mean, I could swear, swear that like every one of these games watching as a kid, it, it felt like a Sunday afternoon. Yes. And it felt incredibly depressing it felt like watching like the giants lose a football game which they did every sunday in 1994 and then what happens it's sunday night i have to do homework yep. and then the school week starts it yep. was like like just what like just like rewatching this game like reminded me of the feeling of a sunday afternoon during the school year yep. and and just being like incredibly fucking sad and depressed i um, know exactly that, what you mean, uh, that weekend is over yeah again yeah i would was, watch these knicks games after church i would associate and it was the mm. same sort of feeling man as like homework it was like i would associate you know i put yeah. church and homework in the same bucket and it was always yep. like uh <laughs> this doesn't feel good i don't want to have to do no. this uh, yeah. And when the Giants would play and and more than you know more than often lose, it was just like insult to injury. Like sometimes they would win and it would be like, oh, wasn't that f- like a fun, brief little distraction from my otherwise incredibly like depressing Sunday? Um, but when they lost, which they usually did, um, it was just like, well, this is this is just like, why am I even doing this to more myself? Pain. This is just literally like making yeah. a bad day even worse. Um, yep. And that's what every single one of these games in Market Square Arena felt like. It I was totally just like this is this is so this is such a fucking bummer to watch. Yeah. I also think like <laughs> you know, in the north we both grew up in the northeast where it's like cold and dreary all the time. And these games were in the Midwest and it was always just sort of like brighter and sunnier, even just the color scheme of like the Pacers wearing these like white and yellow jerseys and like, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. There was something about <laughs> like seeing the crowd, uh, uh, these people in the crowd where it's just like, oh God, you people are just all so happy. It's disgusting. My thoughts about this opening pregame video here. First of all, it's tailor-made for us. I just feel like it's like the way, first of all, the way that Pick and Roll UK's video is like warped and glitchy is oh, yeah. awesome. But also just the video itself. Yeah, so good. Where Pat Riley is talking and the and then they have this like echoey effect on his voice. To me, emotional stability, you know, goes hand in hand with championship basketball. I'm instantly like, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. of course, amazing. And then uh, we have Marv and Gukas sort of reliving the trials and tribulations of Patrick in game three. He, they're, they're talking about mm-hmm. how Patrick went 0 for 10 for one point. And he's, you know, feeling a sense of urgency to get off to a fast start here in game four. They flash a graphic on the screen. Yeah, that that quote they flash, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Patrick Ewing, an astounding 0 for 10, only one point, said after the game, they pay me to be the hero, they pay me to be the GOAT. Hmm. So true. And then we have a commercial break here, Ben. Meaningful luxury in the all-new Mitsubishi Galan means extraordinary attention to safety and security. These are a few of my favorite things. Standard dual airbags. Available uh, we know it well. I mean, a fantastic we harbinger well. here. Yeah, I was I was getting really excited because right off the bat, our very first ad is the is the Galant. Um, and I'm thinking this is a great sign for this game. We're off to a you know um, this is obviously before the game begins, but the but the ads are are uh, have started up and. And yeah, the Gallant. Um, it just it's a you know, it, for us. I, I'm I'm yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like this is a this is a positive, uh, you know, positive sign. Uh, one thing that I that I really love that I I mean, every time I watch this ad, it's like I notice a new little wrinkle, a new little detail that just uh, tickles me. But I love the the little tiny lock, uh, the little key in the lock on the top of the back seats. So the, of course, in the Gallant, one of the one of the great features is the back seats fold down. You know, yep. f- to create extra trunk space. Even though, as we all know, Chris, this is a car uh, that has a trunk that has a trunk. Um, yeah, right. Our There's a trunk knows inside all the about trunk. it from episode. Uh, we already know about that. But if you need two, even yeah. sure, if you need even even more trunk, Chris, the back seats will fold down. Um, and then when they fold back up, there's a special little lock with a key to make sure that those seats those seats stay in place. Uh, they're not going to be flopping around while you're driving. Love that. Um, and there's, <laughs> I just love the, the fact that there's a separate key, like that you would need to keep yeah. on your keychain, <laughs> just for just for the back seats being locked into place. <laughs> Um, a really nice little touch. Um, so it means, Ben, if you're so, looking at yeah. my keychain, you're like, what's this key? I would say, oh, that's the ignition. What's this key? That's mm-hmm. the key that you use for the trunk in the trunk. Okay, what's this third key? That key. Right. I mean, I assume there's a, a key for the trunk itself. There's got to be a key for the trunk inside the trunk. <laughs> right. So we're now we're already up to three keys. And then we got a special <laughs> fourth key, and that's for the back seat. So you can make a long trunk and then fold mm-hmm. it back up and secure the back seats in place. Incredible. The Mitsubishi Galant starting at an affordable $13,600 if you're looking to purchase it. Of course, you can lease it mm. for as little, I think, as uh, $1,250 down, $199 a month over 36 months. 
it's just a sweetheart of a, of a deal, sweetheart of a car. Yeah. Yes. All right, let's get to the game. All right, so uh, I have in quarter one, um, again, we'll talk in general terms, anything major that sticks out, you know, first thing they talk about, Hugh Hollins is refereeing the game tonight. Of course, mm-hmm. Hugh Hollins is, has the infamous, controversial Hubert Davis, uh, Scotty Pippen call during the Knicks Bulls series, that infamous... Uh, uh, a foul where Scotty, uh, you know, is called for the foul. Hubert hits those two critical free throws, and the Knicks take what was it, game right. five against the Bulls, right? Game five of the Bulls series. Yeah, this is Hughes' first Knicks game since uh, that that uh, controversial moment. Um, but uh, yeah, he didn't really do anything to other otherwise, mm. you know, be mentioned. Uh, so. Big picture thoughts about the quarter, anything you noticed that was going on that sort of like piqued your interest. I think like obviously the big story is that Patrick coming into this game just sort of had like a mandate where he was like, I've got to play better. I've got to get, you know, got to get my shot going early. Um, Yeah, it seemed like, you know, his opening, what was it? His opening shot goes, went off the top of the backboard. It looked like forced, looked rushed. And uh, so you're just seeing if basically Patrick could kind of get it going early here. Yeah, uh, he misses his first three shots, as a matter of fact. Uh, So he's on an 0 for 13 streak, uh, of course, going back to game three. Uh, But then he finally does get it going, um, you know, sort of like midway through the third or through the first. um, He gets a couple of good offensive rebounds. He's like he's definitely like uh, even though his his first few shots don't fall, he's remaining aggressive, uh, which was really key. Um, on the offensive boards, and that's how he, he gets on the board early with some putbacks and some tippins and stuff. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty kind of pretty even through most of the I mean, first. Yeah, one one of my main thoughts on on this first quarter here, especially the first you know five six minutes, is just bad passing, bad shooting, turnovers galore on both sides. Um, you know, like I said, yeah. De- Ewing was definitely pressing. He was definitely trying to force some things. He, men- he mentioned he misses his first three. But the Pacers, too. I mean, that the Pacers were making silly errors. Rick Smith draws a foul on Ewing early on, on a non-shooting foul. Um, and then finally, Patrick gets a, a tip back. There's Ewing with his first field goal. He gets one to go. He tips back a Anthony Mason miss. And it's eight to four Knicks with about seven twenty left in the in the quarter. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's it's kind of sloppy on both ends. Yeah, it's not pretty basketball, and it would uh, in fact it would not get any any less um, any more pretty as the game went on. Just a little uh, spoiler alert there. Let's see, we've got some more ads here. If you want to discuss those at yeah. all, nothing really jumping out. We've got nothing the gallant again. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. The 1995 Mitsubishi Gallant, filled with thoughtful details. This is a major These moment for the Gallant. Um, we are going to I was going to say. I, I don't know if you're keeping track on your end, but I, I remember I lost I lost count, but at some point I had I had Mitsubishi down for five or six different Gallants. Um, and, and a, an incredible effort. I feel like. An incredible, an incredible effort to uh, sell us. To sell America on the Gallant. Yeah, that I was thinking the exact same thing, Chris. I think that in Game Three, um, they—I don't know, even know if the Gallant got on the board. I don't know if I remember, maybe one, yeah. but I don't think I remember a single appearance by the Gallant in Game Three. Whereas Mazda, as yes. we remember, Mazda was just dominating yep. in Game Three. They they were coming with the uh, with the six two six. You had a lot of um, Acura. You the, had a lot of Acura uh, saying, you know, oh, we're first in class. Everyone wants the Toyota Camry, but look mm-hmm. at look at us. We're a luxury vehicle, and 
I love the Gallant getting on the board early here. First commercial, um, you know, even before the the tip, you know, you have my fa- you know a few of my favorite things, and it's yeah. just early and often here with, with Mitsubishi, and I, and I love that. It really, it, yeah, I really felt like the Gallant was like answering the bell after that that game three blowout uh, against Mazda, um, where they were like, okay, we need to we need to come out and we need yeah. to make a statement. Yep. Round two. Um, they were just taking it straight to the Mazda, straight to oh, Nissan. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it, at a certain point, it almost felt like it was, like, they were just like pouring yeah. it on. Fire. Like uh, the, the Gallant, um, just, you know, ad break after ad break. <laughs> Shock and awe. Um, yeah. yeah, really. Yeah, really, really impressive to see that. Love, love to see the, uh, that response after the game. Then three back blowout. at Market Square, I love the, uh, the clip of Pat Riley. Uh, he has like a little uh, interview, you know, segment that they, that they do pre-recorded. Pat Riley mm-hmm. talking about Ewing's poor performance in Game Three. He, he was just totally, you know, never really into the flow. He got gotten had, had a bad first quarter, so got in foul trouble. You know, got his fourth a minute into the second half, and was just the, and we were out of it as a team. And I, I've seen that happen to great players before, so. Uh, he's going to be stronger today. He's going to get the ball in better position. Uh, but I don't want him to think that, you know, he's got to come back so strong that he's got to get 35 or 40, rectify this whole thing, and uh, and take that many shots. So I'm going to try to see 16 points, 20 rebounds, and 8 assists. I think that would be us a win. 16 yeah. points, 20 rebounds, and 6 assists. Did he say 6? I thought he said, I could have sworn he oh, said 8. eight. Excuse I me. Eight yeah, I was like, okay, cool, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah i was like okay that would probably be like a like, career high like in assists a, for ewing but sure that'd be so sweet looking, yeah a near triple double yeah, would be you're great looking for like a prolific uh <laughs> like road playoff performance cool man very cool yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh made me laugh yeah no no pressure no pressure patrick um about yeah. three minutes and 50 seconds left in the quarter patrick drains an 18 footer ewing from outside the Knicks are leading at this point, twelve to ten. About three minutes and fifty seconds mm-hmm. left in the uh, in the first quarter. Yeah, and Ewing really was doing a lot, playing some really great defense too. Very active, you know, rebounding, uh, slapping the ball yeah. from Smiths to create turnovers. Dude, that's the, um, the, the probably the biggest takeaway I, I had for uh, for Ewing in this game was like he just needed to get back to doing some of the dirty work, some of the basics. Just like if your shot's not falling, mm-hmm. um, and I, I feel like the Knicks really exemplify this ethos. Like if your shot's not falling, just hit the glass, man. Like just find other ways to contribute. Yeah. And he did a great job. Exactly. And, you know, like his first couple of baskets were putbacks, you know, he was like cleaning up someone else's miss mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it just, he kind of got his mojo back in that way. Yeah. Rick Smith's answers with a baby hook. It's 12 to 12 to 12. And then I thought, Ben, you probably took note of this as well. Matt Gukas. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to talk about this. Matt Gukas notes Anthony Mason checks in and that he has dog pound on the side of his head. And then meanwhile, Ben, we get a shot. Right. We get a shot of the whiteboard in the Indiana (laughs) Pacers locker room. And why don't you walk us through this, Ben? What does the whiteboard say? 
Okay, so, I mean, this is just some incredible, incredible reporting here from NBC. They, like, basically, like, queued up a whole thing. So the second that Mason checks into the game, they flash a still image of Mason's head where it just says pound because, of course, we had the dog pound on the side of the head during the Bulls series. He lost the dog, kept the pound for the Pacers series. So they show a shot of the side of his head where it says pound, and then they flash a shot of the Indi- inside the Indiana locker room. And there it is on the... Blackboard in the Knicks locker room before. The, I'm sorry, the Indiana, Indiana locker room before the game as both teams kind of called their backup people on the bench. The dog pound. And there's a whiteboard that has the words dog pound spelled. Now this is very important. I I like really kind of yep. broke this down and I analyzed it. Um, dog pound spelled D A W G. Now it's important to note that when Mason had dog pound um, in the Bulls series, it was spelled D O G G like the uh, West Coast gangster rap duo Dog Pound, uh, Corrupt and Daz Dillinger. Um, but so the Pacers spell it D-A-W-G, Dog Pound. And then under that, it's written, Meaner Dogs in This Pound. Um, so there's a lot to talk about here. First of in all, this pound the fact is like there's no... Underlined, we should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got, we've got, and all right, it's so it's Dog Pound, cursive. capital D, capital P, yeah, it's beautiful script. Yeah, cursive uh, lettering. Dog pound, the first two. So on one line, it says dog pound with a period. There's a period <laughs> after dog pound. And then it says meaner dogs, capital M for meaner dogs, this time spelled D-O-G-S, just the r- usual spelling for dogs, also capitalized. And then in this, uh, next line, in this. Now, in this has uh, two underlines. Uh, no, sorry, three underlines. And then pound capitalized uh, pound capital p with another period at the end also triple underline but not not the same triple underline for in this pound which is on one line there's separate triple underlines for in this and then separate ones for pound just very right. confusing very very L- let's just go off here what like what are your main issues with this whiteboard image i mean for me yeah f- first thing is like the beautiful cursive is really problematic for me. The inconsistency <laughs> with the word dog and the spelling on the word dog. It's its like, yeah. first of all, Mason's dog was D-O-double-G. On this whiteboard, we have Correct. D-A-W-G, and then we have D-O-G-S. We need to pick a spelling yeah. and stick with it. Next, yes. I don't know what is being said on this whiteboard. I don't really understand what is being said. First of all, dog pound period. Okay, what? Like, what are we saying there? Is that a reference to Mason's dog pound, or is that a a a? Because Gukas goes on to note, which was equally confusing. He says both teams call their backup units on the bench the dog pound. Ugh. Uh, Like right, yeah, right after that, he says that on the telecast. Both teams call their backup units, so it's conceivable that indiana is just saying like no we're the dog pound uh the knicks don't have a dog pound we're the dog pound and we have meaner dogs in our pound i mean it's just a poorly again thought out and poorly executed like rally cry poorly thought out poorly poorly punctuated poorly like the the capitalization is totally inconsistent uh the underlining doesn't make any sense 
Also, this is like, so right next, they show just a, like, a, again, this is just a still image, so you only see the writing, but there's also two X's um, just to the upper left of Dog Pound, and then you kind of see, like, part of a cutoff, what something. looks like a square, yeah. yeah, with, like, a number four and some lines, so you're like, this is, like, their whiteboard for, like, drawing up plays, oh, yeah. and then someone, like, someone just wrote this, like, who, and there's no explanation for, like, who wrote it. It's sort of it, insane. Was this, like, a Larry... It's sort of insane that, like, this was, like, their strategy. <laughs> like, imagine if you were and I were going into, like, a business pitch meeting, or, or if we had, like, we were drawing up, a, like, a basketball strategy, and... Uh, you were the coach, and you're like, all right, Chris, here's our plan. You know how we're the dog pound? I got news for you. Yeah. There are meaner dogs in this pound. And and in that's the pound. whole pitch. That's the whole sales job yeah. on, like, why we're going to win today. Just want to remind you, yeah. there are meaner dogs in this pound. Triple underline, period. Yeah. Triple underline with a period, and there's also a period after the initial dog pound. I just feel like um, if they needed to see that on a whiteboard in their locker room to really, right. to really believe that they could beat the Knicks, and this is on the whiteboard where we also draw up our plays. Right. Like this is this is as important as like any actual like X's and right. O's. As I said, there are two actual literal X's also right next to these these words on the whiteboard. So this wasn't like some separate area where like someone was like, "Yeah, I'm going to put up like a, a you know piece of paper on the wall as a reminder." No, this is like an absolute like central part of like their strategy in game in game four. Apparently. It was the strategy. Let's be very clear. It was the strategy. The strategy yeah. was to remember that they were meaner dogs in this inside this pound. Um, yeah, in yeah. this pound, yeah, <laughs> Market yeah. Square Arena, incredible, um, completely fucking insane. insane. Mason hits a pair of free throws <sighs> on the line. It's now fourteen twelve. Knicks, three minutes left in the quarter. Ben, we have our third Gallant ad. The all new Gallant brings thoughtful details to every corner of its cabin. These are a few of my favorite things. Gallant, tremendous. Just just rubbing it in now. They are going balls to the wall here. It's it's our it's our favorite things ad, Ben. Um, Mitsubishi yep. is trying to make a statement early and often here. They are make no mistake. They are sending yep. a message. We have the U.S. Army, be all you can be. We have uh, the Iceman, George Gervin. Oh man, that was that was One a real thing delight. I could do was I, yeah. Yep. Oh man, of course we've talked about this yep. ad uh, before on uh, I think on. Gosh, did we first talk about it on the signature nicknames, moves episode draft? Moves, I forget which one. Or maybe, yeah. or maybe nicknames. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, this is obviously a big favorite sure. of ours. I had no idea that it that it was going to be playing uh, during this game. So when I actually saw it, I was like, yep. "Wow, um, what a, what a, a fun little surprise yep. that was!" And then, and then, Chris, this was like a, a big ad break for me. We got we, it's kicked off by the yep. Gallant. Um, we get guys climbing on cliffs for the U.S. Army. The Iceman uh, Nike Barbershop ad. 
then Miller Lite Full Contact mm-hmm. Golf. We know yep. it. We love it. Uh, don't need to talk about that. And then the final ad in this ad break is for Michael Jordan's Golf Classic. John Elway, Dan Quayle, and over 60 golfing celebrities tee off when Michael Jordan hosts his RMCC Celebrity Golf Classic, June 11th and 12th on NBC. With, with <laughs> celebrity golfers, which include... John Elway. I think I, think and I remember. I didn't write it down, but I'm pretty sure it was Dan Quayle. <laughs> Chris, you guessed it. Former Vice President Dan Quayle, one of the featured featured guests at Michael Jordan's Golf Classic. Of course, Dan Quayle, George H. W. Bush's Vice President in the first Bush administration, just golfing, golfing it up with with what MJ the with Dan, at the with Michael Jordan Dan Golf Quayle, Classic. Dan Quayle couldn't spell potatoes. Spell that, spell that He infamously misspelled the word potato. Right. Uh, yeah, SNL got a lot That's of mileage right. out of That's that right. one. Hi, George. Wow, Dan, my little vice president. <laughs> yeah, Dan Quayle, good, good friend Dude, of Michael uh, The only thing I wrote about this ad break was like, it's funny, man. It's funny how at this point we we have a shorthand with the commercials where we're like, ah, full, co- oh, yeah. <laughs> full contact golf, of course. <laughs> We don't need to talk about this one. We know full contact golf very well. Um, Yeah. Yeah, in a weird way, like, here's a big picture. Big picture thought of mine uh, with regard to these ads is that I think the first time we went through these ads, like, back during the Bulls series, it was, like, every single ad was, like, so fun and so thrilling to, to watch. And by now, I'm I'm, like, getting to the point where I'm, like, viewing these ads sort of similar to the way I view, like, modern day ads where I'm just, like... Okay, like I'm just sick of these yeah. right now. Like it's not like I've seen the same ads totally. over and over again totally. now. Like obviously there's still a few little surprises that, that we can talk about. I don't need to um, see Ice Draft. Like I don't need to see Ice Draft anymore. I'm good with full contact golf. They're they're fun ads, don't get me wrong, but basically like yeah. give me something new. Unless the only one I could take more of is is my favorite things. But that is my favorite thing, that Galant ad. Right, um, right. That's sure. different. Obviously. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a separate thing. It's that's not even really that's an ad. Right. That's right. That's a way of life. Back at Market Square, yeah. um, Reggie hits a pair of free throws coming out of the commercial break. Fourteen all. Yeah. At this point, the teams uh, are shooting. The Knicks are shooting five of eighteen, and the Pacers are shooting five of sixteen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just great basketball <laughs> being played out there. Uh, really, this is the beautiful game in action yeah. here, folks. Sam Mitchell fouls Anthony Mason towards the end of the quarter. Mason hits two of two from the line. It's now twenty to fifteen with twenty-seven seconds left. Smiths returns the favor oh, with a jumper. Go ahead. We have to talk about uh, another incredible moment. So I think a little after Mason's hitting those free throws, yeah. uh, Marv Albert notes. It has been a roller coaster season for Anthony Mason, who is such an important part of this club. Injury hit, suspended for three games right at the end of the year for conduct detrimental to the team. And then at the last moment, plays on the playoff roster. Anthony Mason was suspended for the final three games of the season for conduct detrimental to the team. And then at the last moment, quote unquote, at the last moment placed on the playoff roster, which was just like, 
mind-boggling like i can't me. even imagine a um, chicago series without anthony mason i can't imagine this team without anthony mason is, like he I mean, it's like, like the second did, best player the third best player like whatever it is like yeah i mean we've talked about it yeah like so so critical yeah. and uh i mean i have a feeling that it was you know com- just mind games yeah. completely uh just you know intending to send a message but according to marv albert riley said at one point it was quote touch and go right up to deadline time for, you know, setting the playoff rosters. I don't believe um, that. Which, you know, but... again, I'm, I don't believe that at all. I'm sure he was just sending a message. So I did some research, and apparently yeah. what happened was um, uh, Mason was complaining about uh, some playing time because Charles, he got, like, benched in, like, the second half of a game against Atlanta, um, and Charles Smith played, like, the whole second half or something like that. And Mason basically just like said openly in, uh, to the press that like he's a better player than Charles Smith, and it didn't make any sense um, why he wasn't getting playing time over him. Which, by the way, is one hundred percent correct and factual yeah, statement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but of course, Riley, you know that's that's insubordination. Riley, you know, wasn't having it, and Riley, you know, fa- famous for running an extremely tight ship. Uh, you know, just a complete psychopath. <laughs> um, so he suspended him for three games and initially it was an indefinite suspension. So he didn't make any indication like, oh, you'll have to sit out like just the remainder of the regular season and then, of course, you'll be back. No, when he suspended him with two games left in the season, um, he he said it was going to be an indefinite suspension. And there was like, you know, a real question as to whether Mason would be on the team for the fucking playoffs. Um. Yeah, just like crazy, Dude, crazy. One thing I really look forward to uh, after the 94 playoff run here is when we get to, when we land on some sort of coverage of the Knicks-Miami Heat playoff battles, like we really need to mm-hmm. talk about Rat Piley. Oh, yeah. <sighs> just that guy, man. I mean, like indefinitely suspending Anthony Mason. Like what a psycho. Like what, what yeah. a absolute yeah. psychopath. Um, all right, so yeah, and his famous quote, his yeah. famous quotes uh, to the press at the at the time was, "You're either in or you're out." Yeah, um, and it was just like yeah. it was literally just my way or the yeah, highway. Exactly. Um, like that's, and again, it's not like Mason. That is the most like, Mason didn't like like approach. <laughs> yeah, and you know whatever it was a different time, yeah. and um, I mean. <laughs> In a way, I'm kind of like, well, I can't fault like you can't really argue against Riley. The you know the guy had at that point four rings, three rings, um, and uh, you know was the had the most playoff wins in NBA history as a coach. Um, so like it made sense that he was just like, no, 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 like I know what I'm doing here, and he did. Like obviously he's an incredible coach, um, but uh, but yeah, the fact that he that he pulled that shit was uh, pretty wild. And again, it's not like Mason yeah, like right. Mason didn't yeah. like. You know, fucking get stoned and like yeah, miss a like game. He like he was teammate. just talking about playing it's not time. Like he like pulled yeah. up Bobby Portis and like punched his teammate and broke his teammate's face. Like he was just like, I should be yeah. playing more minutes. It sucks. That's crazy. Yeah, That's which he should have been. All right, so yeah. it's twenty to seventeen, end of quarter one. Basically, uh, you mm. know, thoughts on the quarter Ben. It's just it's really sloppy. Poor shooting by both teams. Turnovers, man. Turnovers all over the place. Oh yeah, that would be a uh, a recurring theme. Knicks turns out. shoot five for twenty one for the quarter. Pacers not much better. Six for twenty. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's just rough going early in uh, the game. Here we go to a commercial break with Ice Draft. Uh, we have, of course mm. we get another Gallant ad, and then we have uh, Pizza Hut. Bunch of you know just a lot of retreads here. Yeah, Anything? yeah, stuff we've covered. I gotta say though that Ice Draft uh, yeah. ad. You said you, you were okay. You know you'd seen enough of it. Not not me, Chris. Not me. This the more I the more I watch it, the more yeah. I love it. Um, I I'm at the point now where 
when I just hear the words, well, as I was saying, which is the first uh, first words out of the mouth of the douchebag, like non-boyfriend yeah. guy uh, to kick off the ad, it just kind of like I get like this little Pavlovian response where I where I get excited. Sure. Um, a, yeah, it really is. It's the it's the future that I that I wish uh, that I. Uh, we also had a, sh- uh, a uh, was it a shtick? Sh- is that how, was shtick the razor? Yeah, shtick the shick, dirty shick. razor. It's yeah, shtick. Shtick. Um, yeah. No shtick. Yeah, that's yeah, is that what yeah, you said. Yeah. No, I think I was saying shtick. Got it. Um, and then we have pizza. <laughs> we have Pizza Hut. Um, and yeah, man, I'm happy to move on to quarter two here. If that's uh, good with you, yeah, let's let's blow through. All right, this so one. we have a mod coming out of the commercial break, talking about average ticket prices. Ahmad Rashad back at Market Square Arena here in Indiana. Now there is, uh, I've been looking around. I've found a little bit more trivia for you, Marv. Now the highest ticket prices in the NBA are at Madison Square Garden. They're about the average about thirty nine dollars per ticket here in Indianapolis. They have the lowest average ticket price. It's about $20. But now for the real true fan, they have a spot up here that you can buy a ticket for about $10. The only problem is you got to be careful for that low-flying aircraft. Can you see from here? Yeah, I can see fine. Well, this, this is the spot to watch the game way up here. I don't know. Something funny to me about those prices. It's like, what are these gasoline like prices? Like thirty nine dollars and sixty six cents. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just, I just had to, had to react uh, to, yeah, Indiana twenty seventh in the league uh, with, uh, with their average ticket price, um, which is just, uh, you know, it's just a sign of uh, what a bunch of fucking losers yeah. they are. Really, dude. Something I loved yeah. here is uh, early in the second quarter, Marv talking about Vern Fleming, who goes to the line to shoot a pair of uh, free throws. Marv notes Vern had never played his latest Memorial Day weekend. He had figured he was making plans for a summer vacation trip to Aruba with his uh, wife for late event. Well, he had a scratch that. Luckily for Vern, he had taken out insurance in the event the Pacers did make the Eastern Conference Finals, so he lost only $100 when he had to cancel that trip. But Vern said he is very superstitious. Illegal defense called for the third time. So Fleming made new plans to visit Aruba right in the middle of the NBA Finals, and he says he hopes he has to uh, cancel once again. He made those reservations purely for uh, superstitious purposes. Fun little detail there from Marv. Fun little detail there from Marv. So I have the score at 22 to 21. The Knicks are up with about nine mm-hmm. minutes and change. Yeah, at this point, uh, let's see. The Knicks have missed their last six shots. Um... Or no, maybe this is right before that. But uh, yeah, they're shooting at one point in the second quarter. They're shooting five of 24, which is 21% Jeez. from the field. Uh, a, a, just a, a great number. Uh, that's a number you, you want to be hitting whenever you can. <laughs> yeah, uh, over the last three quarters, um, if you count the first quarter of this game and the second half of game three, uh, the Knicks have scored a total of 49 points over three quarters, the previous three quarters. 49, uh, that, that's the number, over three quarters. So, yeah, it's just, again, uh, just beautiful, beautiful playoff basketball here. Oh, yeah, a little bit later on, they have a graphic that shows the Knicks field goal shooting during the playoffs. Over the first 15 minutes, the Knicks have accounted for only five field goals, five of 24. Not that Indiana's burning it up, but the Knicks have shown that they are capable of these types of poor shooting performances as you look back in the playoffs. Uh, they have had four games where they have really struggled, including game three here on Saturday when they 
in only 34%. Game three at New Jersey, 39.7%. Game six at Chicago, 39.8%. Game seven against Chicago, 39.3%. Game three at at Indiana, 34.4%. Oh, my God. And I just have in my notes, my goodness, I love this absolutely... Fucking terrible offensive basketball team. Yeah, man. It's so funny. Like, people are like, oh, it's, uh, again, we've talked about this. Oh, the 90s basketball, it's so unwatchable. Not for me, man. I can watch this, like, I can watch <laughs> these guys, like, throw mud at each other all game long. I love yeah. this version of yeah. basketball. All right, moving us along here. Uh, Dale Davis has an acrobatic move to the hoop. Feels like a momentum shifter. Mm-hmm. Now the score is twenty-five. That was the play where St- Starks yeah, bailed out exactly. and, and uh, could have taken a charge. Twenty-five, and twenty-four. Yeah. The Pacers are up by one point. There's seven fifty left in the second quarter. Uh, yeah, Starks answers with a very, very long two-pointer. Dude, it's funny uh, how many to make it twenty-five. How 26. many of these long shots? You're like, oh, that's a three, right? Like. Like when you when you see yeah. when you see a play like we've just become so accustomed to when you see a player a certain distance from the hoop you just assume that it's a three and then you look at the mm. score you're like how come they only put two points on the board and it's like oh he took a 19 foot two point shot uh, instead of a yeah. three yeah yep yeah. a lot of yeah. those uh, we get some yeah. more ads here Molson, Molson Ice love to see the Molson yeah. Ice hundreds of miles to the north. And 30 degrees south of zero lies Canada, blasted by wind, buried by snow, and filled with ice. Molson Ice. Ice brewed by North America's oldest brewery to be a few degrees colder, a few degrees bolder, yet smooth as ice. Molson Ice. From the land where ice was born. Just so much wind and snow in yeah. Canada, but even more than that, the ice. Um, at one point in that ad, I think they used the phrase, quote, filled with yes. ice, referring to uh, the country of Canada. It's filled, <laughs> filled with ice, And again, folks. this is a, a beer um, that is brewed, uh, if I understood correctly from the last time we talked about it, Ben, it's a beer that's brewed with ice ice cubes inside of it. Is that right? Right. They make the beer out of ice, which means so it's really So the ice cold. is a central ingredient into the brewing. Yeah, the whole like, molecular structure of the beer is different. Um, so there's actually ice inside right. the beer. So yeah, yeah, great. Yeast, ice, you know, beer. Um, then we have Krylon yeah. spray paint with Johnny Bench. We know this one. He's in front of the bench at the tennis court. Bench and Bob Euchre. I don't know if we mentioned Bob uh, Euchre yeah. also. Bob a, Euchre a celeb, as well. celeb right. in that one. That's yeah. right. That's right. And we have a Chevy commercial. And then we are back at Market Square, uh, hurtling towards halftime here, Ben. Uh, mm-hmm, any mm-hmm. any sort of major plays here that we need to point out before the half? Uh, you know, Reggie's heating up. Yeah, he Reggie. he hits like one. He hits one twenty footer off a pick. Um, yeah. Here's Miller getting the good look. Reggie Miller again came off a pick and had the open shot. But uh, but prior to that, he'd been really quiet. We're over halfway through the second now, and um, yeah, Miller's. I think it was only his second sh- uh, field goal of the game. 
Um, so he hasn't really made much noise, which again, like just very eerie, very unsettling yeah. that he's just kind of like lurking. Uh, and then 31. Yeah. 31. Well, I have, all right. So I have a, a an amazing moment, uh, that I, that really made me laugh. Um, just prior to that. So it's 2931 and Harper, uh, yeah. Derek Harper swishes a, oh, is it a three? Is it a three? No, nope. It's a foot on the line too. It's and then yours, my, my, my favorite part of this, my favorite part of this is that Marv remarks. And Derek Hopper hits the two. He wanted a three, but his foot was on the line. He wanted a three, but his foot was on the line. <laughs> and I just, I just, this made me smile so hard. The idea that, and this happened regularly. This happens like multiple times uh, yeah. in this game, and I feel like every game, where a player shoots what he thinks is a three, and then he. <laughs> implores the ref he he basically like like you know pleads and begs for the ref to award him a three um for the shot that he just took as if like it doesn't like he doesn't understand the fact that like it doesn't work like that like it's not a a judgment call on the part of the referee um that decides whether the point is whether the shot is worth three points or two points like if you if you want if you quote unquote want a three uh, there's in fact a very very simple 100% reliable way to ensure that you are awarded three points, uh, and and that is to place both of your feet behind the three point line when you it take the shot. It could not be more simple. It's yeah. not a matter. Of, doesn't it, you know? It just doesn't doesn't matter if you argue and 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 beg and plead with the ref. It's not gonna. That's not gonna do it. Um, it turns out that your feet have to be behind the line. Uh, in order to get those three points, um, so I just love I love every time that happens. The foot on the line too, and then as if that's not enough, you've got a you've got a, a, a appeal. You got to appeal to the ref yes. to get that to get yeah. that third point. Love, yeah. I love it. I love it. Fantastic right. stuff. Antonio Davis and Oakley start having words. Ooh, yeah, he's getting very chippy now. Good hustle by Antonio Davis. All Davis staring at Charles Oakley who took a late hit. What is curious about that is the fact that Antonio Davis has said right throughout the series that Charles Oakley, well, Starks called for the foul, but he said that Oakley is his role model. He looks up to his style of play and has said he hopes to be like Charles Oakley someday. Battling in the post, Marv tells us about Antonio Davis, that he really admires Oakley. He's the player mm-hmm. that he's trying to become. Quote, there's a, he, there's a graphic. He says, quote, isn't very quick. He's so wide. He's like a truck. I look forward to being something like him one day. But he did not appreciate the late hit from Oakland. Well, the games are similar in that they both play around the basket. The difference is Antonio Davis has a lot of giddy up in those legs. He can play way over the rim, get up and block shots, and uses the leaping factor more than Charles Oakley. The uh, mentor and the mentee, but they are going at it here. Yeah, Oakley pulls the classic move where he, yeah, where he like violently slaps the ball out of uh, out of Davis's hands after the whistle. Right, which is just like that's and just like such a troll move. Like, yeah, what, me, what I do, what I do. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, they're yeah. they're getting up up in each other's faces. Um, Let's see, just a lot of like, yeah, very just absolutely atrocious basketball, just like, you know, missing, Oakley grabbing yeah. uh, grabbing the offensive board, but he gets stripped, Miller yeah. drives down, he gets stripped, um, yeah, Smith goes at Ewing, looks like he's blocked, just like, 
uh, so many plays uh, where the ball is just like flying around and no, no one's really like doing anything like with any skill. It's just like yep. <laughs> out of control. Yeah, out of control. Be- I think beautiful. that, that- Antonio Davis Oakley moment though sort of underscores like what's brewing in the game, which is like oh, yeah. now it's starting to get ugly. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. People, These teams are like starting to fully get tired of each other. Yeah, I mean it's getting ugly in terms of like there are lots of turnovers, no one can hit a shot, but it's also getting ugly in terms of the temperament. Like the spirit of the game is getting nasty and chippy. Yeah, and yeah. it's not it's not pretty. It's actually becoming more like a slugfest, like a boxing match almost. Yeah, um, it turns out that have, when when you miss shots um, over and over again, it it like it becomes frustrating. Like the game yep. itself is actually frustrating to play when you're not making baskets. So yep. like, and then on top of that, you have like the physicality. So like everyone yep. is just like getting like really annoyed. <laughs> we have Smiths with an N one over Patrick. Smiths hits the foul shot. Now it is thirty four to thirty three. Four minutes and ten seconds left in the quarter. Oakley returns the favor with a baseline jumper, 35-34 Knicks, three minutes left. We have a commercial break here, Ben. Uh, a, couple of, a couple of newbies, actually, in this commercial break. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the Oldsmobile 88. This is the Oldsmobile 88 Special Edition. We loaded it with the kinds of things most people want, like four-wheel anti-lock brakes, dual airbags, power windows and locks, air, tilt wheel, and much more. Yet, even with all that, it's still very affordable. Well, that's the whole point. It's your money. We have uh, Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer for the film Wolf. In the territory of the beast, there are no boundaries. Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer. Wolf rated R at theaters June 17th. Wolf, love this, love this TV spot for Wolf. Yeah, what a film! Fantastic, recommended highly. I, I hadn't, I didn't see it until much later in life, but I remember as a kid uh, seeing it. these. Oh, it's it's really good. Uh, Nicholson puts in just like completely bonkers performance. Um, he's a werewolf. It's Jack Nicholson being a sure. werewolf. Um, but I remember thinking at the time as a kid, being like, oh man, like. This movie is, it's like a werewolf movie, but for adults. Like, it felt so, like, incredibly, like, adult and grown up for some reason. (laughs) Like, the pairing of Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer were just, like, so, like, you know, it was, like, sexy and kind of, like, like, like bad and dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Like, very, very adult stuff. Um, You know, I was like... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Spader. Like, something about Spader is very, like... Spader is very adult. Oh, I was like, I was like, ooh, that movie looks good, but I don't think I'm old enough to watch it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, 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 totally. Um, and then we have, uh, what is this? The 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 Mita Xerox machine? Is that, is that? Yeah, we've seen this one before. The claymation dinosaurs mm-hmm. oh, for sure, Mita sure, copier. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we get a little catnip from Costas with the halftime preview. Bob Costas back in New York. Now coming up on the Prudential Halftime Report, we'll turn our attentions to the Western Conference Finals between Houston and Utah. Game 5, as you know, is tomorrow night on NBC with the Rockets leading three games to one. We'll speak with the Rockets' volatile guard Vernon Maxwell at halftime and we'll also get Julius Irving's thoughts on the first half of the Knicks and the Pacers. Right now they're tied at 35, so let's head back to Market Square. Marvin Matt, marvelous. We're going to get a Vernon Maxwell interview queued up. Yeah, which um, sadly was not in 
included in the uh, yeah. in the posting here. Um, right. I know I was I was excited for that one, but yeah, we'll see, yeah. we'll see some 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 Vernon later on though. Back at Market Square, yes, of course. Back at Market Market Square, um, Oakley and Antonio Davis once again are are jawing at each other. Oakley gets in the ref's ear. He gets a technical foul. Yeah. Um, and then towards the end of the quarter with about 11 seconds left, we have a finger roll from Reggie Miller gives him 14 points on, on the day. Indy is up by three, 42 to 39. And we head to halftime, you know, it's just getting my, my thoughts on the quarter, Ben is it's just getting extremely chippy out there. Like we talked about Oakley, Antonio Davis, Harper, and Reggie Miller, Harper doesn't like Reggie mm-hmm. Miller's hand checking. He's getting frustrated about that. Yeah, there's some serious drawing between Harper and Miller right before the half that uh, would yeah. would uh, yeah. have some some repercussions later in the game. Do yes. we want to talk real quick about this Larry Brown quote that they flash on screen just before the half? Or I guess there's like a like a couple Rem- minutes left in the half. This is the one about the bully. Oh yes, Rem- do you remember okay, this? Go ahead. Yeah, 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 remind me. They flash a quote uh, uh, on the screen from Larry Brown on the series, quote. Larry Brown saying, I think it's like a bully. Speaking of the Knicks, they keep beating you up. And unless you fight back, they're going to continue to do it. So now we've got to fight back. I think it's like a bully, dot, dot, dot. They keep beating you up. And unless you fight back, they're going to continue to do it. So now we've got to fight back, end quote. Um, I found this to be an extremely revealing and extremely disturbing quote from Larry Brown. And it made me think a little bit, Chris, that he might be showing his hand here a little bit. Like he might be giving us a clue uh, into like maybe like the, you know, some sort of like childhood trauma that set him down the path of becoming a serial killer torture fetishist in the future. It's almost been like... Larry Brown could have maybe been the author of the Dog Pound, Meaner Dogs, and This Pound. Um, <laughs> one more quote. <laughs> yeah. The thing about the, the the fact that he referred to the Knicks as, as a bully, it just really yes. made me think like, okay, this is this is the this is the, the, the clue that unlocks everything to me. There was there was clearly a childhood trauma uh, inflicted on, on young Larry. Uh, a classmate of his, um, you know, bullied him one too many times, pushed him, you know, just one one step too far uh, until Larry finally broke. Uh, and let's just say that when he says, uh, you know, fight back, um, I, I believe that that uh, in, in his mind involves, you know, a basement. Uh, Use your uh, head, a, folks. A, a significant amount of chains, cuffs, gags, you know, who knows, sharp metal instruments. Keep your wits about devices. you, folks. you, you I yeah. mean, you read between the lines here all you want, but yes, Larry Brown. Uh, so now we've got to fight back. Um, yeah, that you know that quote just really, really struck a chord with me. Let yeah. your imagination run wild, folks. Um, <sighs> ben, so let's move through halftime here. We come yeah, back. Yeah, it's forty-two thirty-nine, Indiana mm-hmm. at the half. Um, I gotta say, Ewing, Patrick Ewing, you know, he really uh, got up off the mat, you know, following that game three. He had a, he had a solid first half, twelve points, yeah. eight rebounds. Yeah. Um, getting to the line, you know, creating some some havoc on defense, you know, getting offensive rebounds. Um, so yeah, he he came to play. Not much else happening though. Uh, yeah, like for you the said, Knicks. even when it, even when it's not working for him, like he it's the effort that you like. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he starts zero for three, but he's still crashing the boards, the tip backs, and that's how you like get yourself back into these games. It's just like doing the dirty work sometimes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. 
I want to talk about Ben coming into the beginning of the third quarter, that halftime interview between Larry Brown and Ahmad Rashad. Coach, it seems that you're executing your offense pretty well the first half. Just shots not falling. Yeah, we missed some easy shots. Um, and I told them if we can keep getting good shots against the Knicks, you know, we, we have a heck of a chance. But they they really hurt us on the offensive board, Ahmad. I, th- I thought we defended their first shot great, but... Uh, they really did a job on the board. Is maybe a little bit of that deficit on the offensive boards because of your double teaming? Yeah, well, you know, you have to give up something, and then it's tough getting blockouts. We usually have a small man on Mason or Oakley, and, you know, that's their game. But we let Patrick get to the offensive board, and we're not helping off him, and that's something we got to work on. All right, good luck in the second half, Coach. All right, thanks, Larry. God, man. Larry is so creepy. I mean, talking to a mod about Chilling, chilling. So I want to know two details for you here. One is that, first of all, Ahmad's tie is really absurd, and I love it. And yeah, tropical floral I, print going on some here. Some sort of like floral, tropical, leafy print. I can't quite put my finger on what's happening there, but I really like it. Really, yeah, it's very really Donkey like Kong it. country. Yeah. Yes, thank you. The second thing I want to note, Ben, is Larry Brown, at the end of the interview, touches Ahmad's elbow as he's saying, like, thank you and goodbye as he's walking off. He touches Ahmad's mm. elbow. Again, it's very subtle, but, you know, Felicia Rashad needs to be Ooh. concerned for her husband's yeah, life. Yeah, I just saw it that. Is, it is a telltale sort of like, I'm going to eat you as a hamburger later kind of yeah. moment. It is so, yeah. it's so uncomfortable, man. It's almost like so he touches his elbow and like he'll go back to the locker room and then like sniff his finger to like get the scent of a mod like and kind of like yes. lock it into his, his like, you know, scent file. Oh I have a feeling God. that was like very, very intentional. Um, uh, yeah. Really upsetting. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so we go to commercial break here. Wow, yep. dude, the Nissan Maxima. The comfort of a luxury car. The fuel efficiency of a compact car. And the performance of a sports car are at last in one car. From Nissan. I got to admit, I am really impressed by this Nissan Maxima commercial. All um, those letters it, going, yeah. What is it, man? It's something about those letters ticking through. It's uh, kind of reminds you of the speedometer or the odometer, I should say. Yeah, it creates a real tension. Through. Yeah, mm-hmm, it's very mm-hmm. tense. Yeah, uh, big time spot there. The uh, the Tenactin ad. Hey, you get a tough case of athlete's foot, the itching, the cracking, the burning. You want a medicine that acts tough. Boom! Tough actin' tenactin. Clinically proven tenactin cures even tough cases of athlete's foot fungus. Get tough actin' tenactin. Tough actin' tenactin. Yeah, John Madden. John Madden. Boom! Tough actin' tenactin. Yep. Yeah, that was that was the, our first time seeing that, I believe. Um, yeah, also, I love Muggs, this. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Muggsy versus Goliath. We've we've uh, seen that one before. I love this Castrol GTX. Um, mm. Today's engines need Castrol GTX, the motor oil that provides maximum protection against viscosity and thermal breakdown. Because if your oil breaks down, what's next? Castrol GTX, engineered for today's smaller cars. The uh, the viscosity and thermal breakdown. <laughs> I don't know why, but that was a those those were some words that were like deeply deeply lodged in my head as a kid. Viscosity and thermal breakdown. It just sounds so bad. 
um, to have that happen. And as they note in the ad, uh, if that breaks down, what's next? Now they don't answer. They don't. They don't. They don't answer that question in the ad. They just leave it, you know, hanging out there. Um, but all I'm thinking is, I do not want to find out uh, what's terrifying. What's next. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to find out what's next. No, uh, no, no. You do not want that viscosity and thermal breakdown, folks. That's uh, that's that's big trouble. Dude, and then I am obsessed here. I got to admit, with the Law and Order preview, holy shit, Ben! They, oh my god, all... the baby, the baby broker. A special Thursday, Law and Order goes after a baby broker. I didn't do anything wrong. She cannot sell a baby. A special Law and Order on a special night, NBC Thursday. <laughs> First of all, they used to do previews for Law and Order. I didn't know that. But second of all, our suspect is a baby broker. <laughs> A baby broker. So I wrote that bad. in all caps. What the fuck is a baby broker? <laughs> so I mean, I, I assume up, it's like someone who like sets people up for like for with like adoptions. But I don't know. Boy. I don't know. But listen, I looked up this episode. Uh, it's called the episode title is called Breeder, uh, <laughs> and it looks like our perp. It uh, looks like our baby broker is played by Deidre O'Connell, who I don't know if you know who that actress is. I don't know. But she she's like a New York luminary in the theater world. She's incredible. Yeah. And the the uh, synopsis of the episode is uh, detectives Stone and Kincaid try to prosecute a woman who is accused of extortion and prom- for promising her biological child to multiple couples. Wow. Um, yeah, man. I, what a crime. I got, I got to dig up this episode. I got to rewatch that. That one looks fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. They did say that it was a special Law & Order episode. So. Oh, wow. In the, All right, uh, back, in the preview. Back in the third quarter, let's talk here. Um, so give me any sort of uh, key plays that you have, anything that you took note of here in the third. Um, uh, just, you know, kind of recurring themes here. Just the sound of the ball clanking off the Market Square rims. Uh, just yeah. a really delightful sound. Um, <laughs> something very specific and, un- and unique about those rims, the way that they were, uh, you know, just a little bit loose, just a little bit loose yes. so that when the ball clanked, it was a real death rattle. You could really feel it in your really bones, yep. deep down in the core of your body um, and, and kind of in your brain. Uh, just, you know, uh, yeah, a, a, an echo effect almost. Um, by the way, I, I, I should note, Chris, that the, uh, the race car sounds... Um, you know, I made a, a very deliberate choice this episode to uh, not note uh, every single time the race car sounds yeah. um, for my own sanity and, and for the sake of our readers, uh, I mean our listeners, that is. Um, but, uh, but rest assured, uh, yeah. basically, unless otherwise noted, just assume that the race car sound is, is happening every time the Knicks have the basketball. Um, it, it did not go away. It did not lessen in any way. Um, so I just want to remind everyone that that is very, very much still present um, and, uh, and just uh, defining, really defining this game. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the Knicks are down here. They're down six. Let's see, down eight. Uh, Pacers on an 8-0 run. Uh, kind of just breezing through. Yep. Oh, all right. So there's a really atrocious sequence, unless you have anything else to talk about. Um, I mean, let's talk about... We can talk. I mean, like, I I think we just should just hop into the atrocious stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this was the this was the the kind of the point where, uh, boy, I kind of feel like this. Was I know the what, point. I know my breaking point. 
I know when like I sort of broke, I'm curious if it's the same. Moment. Go ahead. Yeah. So we've yeah. talked about obviously the experience of watching Game Three, one of the most unpleasant of my life. Um, but at this point, you know, the Knicks are still up two one in the series. Uh, you know, they're in the midst of a very ugly but very winnable game. Um, you know, despite their atrocious shooting, they're still only down by five uh, at this point. Um, it's uh, we've got about eight fifty left in the quarter. Uh, it's 48-43, Indiana. Um, and, you know, Knicks are just hanging around, whatever. Um, I still, you know, at this point I'm like, okay, I really don't like this Indiana team. They're really starting starting to get under my skin uh, in a major way and kind of like, you know, uh, invade my brain. Um, but uh, with, uh, let's see, it's, uh, 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 yeah, so it's 48-43. Ewing misses a, a short jumper. Uh, I'm just going to go through this whole sequence because yep. the whole thing is really, it, it, it just... Um, it, I think it's worth it to kind of like um, note where it all goes wrong. So Ewing misses a short jumper. There's a scramble for for the ball. Dale Davis recovers, um, gives it to uh, to Reggie in transition. Miller for three, and that gets the crowd going. They just change it to a two. Apparently Reggie's foot on the line, but uh, Reggie pulls up in transition for a what he thinks is a three. Of course, it's a foot on the line two. So it's then at 50 to 43, Indiana. Um, we've got yep. 820 left in the quarter. There's an offensive foul on the Knicks. Uh, Charles Smith trying to bull his way through uh, a Miller screen, gets whistled for, for an away from the ball offensive foul. Uh, of course, Miller t- completely flops t- to draw the whistle. Uh, and then on the other end, uh, Derek McKee banks in a yep. really ugly like line drive hook over Charles Smith. says Indiana on a roll. They're now up 52-43, 7.50 to go in the quarter. Uh, Oakley then, uh, trying to dump it down into Smith, um, uh, kind of throws him a bad pass that Smith has to stretch to collect. Uh, he then has it knocked away, uh, out of bounds. Or no, sorry, not out of bounds. He has it knocked away. Indiana steals it, and they're breaking again. Yeah. Uh, this time, Haywood Workman pulls up in transition. He misses. Uh, keeps it alive. Oakley dives to the floor to try to grab the loose ball. He doesn't. Miller picks it up. And the Pacers on the loose ball here this afternoon. Oh, on the three. Gets it back. Miller for two. Yes. And the Knicks are being run off the court by the Pacers. He launches a, a very deep three. He misses, but grabs his own rebound and drills a long two. And it's 54-43. And, uh, and the energy, like yep. the way that whole sequence like unravels, like the crowd like gets into it and Miller reacts in a way that it, it, it feels like okay. he just like, it, it's like the fourth quarter and he just not drained okay. like a go-ahead jumper not with okay. like three seconds left. No, it's an 11-point game with seven and a half minutes left in the fucking third quarter. And he is celebrating. Reggie Miller is looking up at the ceiling of the arena, arms raised in victory, pumping his fists. Like he's like fucking like Michael Jordan in the, yep. in the NBA finals. Uh, and Marv Albert um, uh, says Nick's being run off the court. Like he's not helping the situation at all. Um, I feel like everyone was just like reacting, like the crowd's reaction. Everything was just like way, way, way too over the top. It was like, guys, calm the fuck down. It's, like you, you children. Are, like we are like a little bit more than halfway through the game, 
Yeah. And my, my, yeah. This was absolutely my breaking point. As soon as yeah. I saw Reggie Miller <laughs> lift his arms in a V, <laughs> yes. in the V for victory <laughs> with clenched fists, I oh was like, God. and dude, it's here's my specific problem with it. Yeah. He not yeah. only holds them up high, he yeah. holds them for way too Way long. too long. It's yeah. uncomfortably long. It's it would be yeah. one thing if you're like, I'm fired up, we're having a momentum shift, this is awesome, we're gonna get back in the series, I'm pumping my fists in the air, we're gonna head into yeah. a timeout. No 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 no. That's not what this is. This no. is a literal I'm throwing my hands up to the Messiah, up to God, <laughs> yeah. and like looking upward as if to say, I am God. Like, I am yeah. your chosen son. I am like, Jesus. Like, this is the greatest moment Christ of my, yeah, this is the greatest moment of my basketball career. Um, I, I have just so uh, it's achieved a, the impossible. It's outstretched arms in a V with clenched fists for an yeah. uncomfortable period of time. And then the fists eventually come down it looks as though he's gonna fall to his knees then he starts the fist pumping pen he the starts pumping. the fist pumping oh god the, the pumping, pumping is when i lost it listen as far as i'm concerned fist pumping double-handed fist pumping can only be reserved for a like michael jordan buzzer beater game win. yes if you yes. pump if you pump your fist it needs be it needs to be because you just hit the shot to like win a playoff series at the buzzer yeah a series uh, winning other, yeah any other context is completely inexcusable completely it's Im- inexcusable it is nothing short of embarrassing it is it is just it's humiliating and embarrassing to act like that to just like clearly show like you've just never been on a stage like this you don't know what to do with yourself you're reacting like a fucking child (laughs) it's like on par with like if you were at you know your in-laws meeting them for the first time for dinner and all of a sudden (laughs) like you made a good point (laughs) then you stood up and you were like yes yes and you're like dude there's slam the dinner table stand up in your chair (laughs) yeah dunking on people giving high fives you're like yeah and then and then and then propose to your girlfriend in that exact moment it's like there's an indoor voice and an outdoor voice. And oh it's my not god! Okay yes, to use your outdoor voice yes. inside. Completely. Yes. Like it's so. It's like you like you have serial. You have like serious social issues. And again, this is a team of like criminal like masterminds. This is this is socio like sociopathic behavior as far as I'm yeah. concerned. This is like not normal behavior. Yeah. And no, it is it's it's Drew and Surviving Christmas level. Like you absolutely. don't you're not acting correctly. Like you're you're Full not like acting like a normal human. Yeah. Full on megalomania. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not okay. Like the behavior of either a toddler or like a a a very seriously mentally ill like sociopath. Yes. Yes. Um, we go to commercial and I just wrote in my notes, I'll be honest, verbatim, this is what I wrote. I'll be honest, Ben. I had a very, very hard time concentrating on these commercials. I am still yeah. reeling from the Reggie Miller disgrace. Ugh. I know yeah. there was a special uh, Citibank Visa commercial, but my focus right now is not there. I simply cannot be entertained. 
that same for that uh, uh, Miller Lite baseball spot. I'm sure it was fun. I literally Chris, do not give a shit. Let me read you my my exact notes verbatim. That I, I we obviously take notes independent of each other. That's uh-huh. important to note uh, on this podcast. We don't have a, a shared document of notes. Right. We take our own notes that we then share in the moment with each other. Uh, in my notes, I have written quote Miller Lite professional baseball basketball. I am in no mood, in capital letters, no mood <laughs> yeah. to enjoy these stupid fucking ads. No, I'm just not there, man. This is, like, no. not fun. This is not no. fun. No. Not fun. Get, like, just get me through this. So we come back. We're in the third. I write immediately. Just horrendous Nick shooting. It continues. It's awful. Yep. The Knicks just look terrible. They just, like, look out of sorts. Um, one I have the word I have the word clank written like five different times uh, in the next like paragraph of notes. Uh, yep. It's just clank, clank, Harper, clank. Starks gets inside, clanks the layup. Starks another jumper, clank. Um, oh, and then we have to talk about one of your favorite plays, the, An- the Antonio Davis hook yep. shot. I think the crowd is really rattling the Knicks on that, that last shot. By It's just a wild fucking <laughs> hook shot, man. It's so he just not sweeps okay. Through, sweeps through the lane against Charles Oakley and just literally like heaves one like off his hip over his head, like to- uh, towards totally the basket. Off balance. Yeah, like just not a basketball shot. Like, that no. is just fundamentally like not a basketball play. A fucking prayer in the paint. I scream at my TV. It is now fifty-eight to forty-five. We're just under five Ugh. minutes. And yeah. I am livid at this point, man. I am like, I hate this team so much. I hate this team so much. Like, again, it's one thing to lose. It's one thing to lose to a bitter rival. But the way that mm-hmm. Reggie Miller behaved just a few minutes ago has me on edge. And on top this of is that, not- the, Knicks, the Knicks are playing so goddamn poorly. Like, they just yeah. look awful they are they i hate the knicks at this point as much as i hate the pacers yeah that's the thing it's the whole experience is just top to bottom dreadful frustrating just so everything about it is just like it's just like being stabbed in the eye with needles 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 in my eyes over and over again um yeah after that atrocious uh antonio davis shot Mm -hmm. uh patrick ewing steps back for somehow somehow he does it too a foot on the line too incredible he like yeah. it wasn't like a good like he clearly like, it, like I, I forget the exact sequence but it was like you know broken play he yeah. gets it out on the three-point line heaves up a prayer ewing from way out. patrick ewing stepped on the line <laughs> i don't think john thompson believed that shot that's not a shot you want to see ewing take but it's desperation time Somehow makes it, but of course it's a foot on the line too. After he makes that shot, Chris, the Knicks are shooting 30% from the field. After that make. The camera pans past John Thompson. Marv says, not the kind of shot you want to see Patrick take. Uh, basically yeah. a corner three. It's 58, of four, 58 to 47. The Pacers are now up by 11 points. You know, you like to see Patrick with, with some, you know, some fight, some spirit, but... Geez, it is looking really bad here. Again, 58 to 47. Uh, now I have us down at 58 to 49. Pacers are up about three minutes, 58 seconds left. We yeah. head to a commercial break with Miller Genuine Draft. Um, get yeah. out of the old In and the into end. the cold. 
yep. neon cowboy sign, grabbing a beer. That's not not bad, yep. but yep. yeah. Again, I'm just in no My mood whatsoever to. My focus is just not there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care about these stupid ads. Nope. Um, coming back from the break. John Starks has picked it up. He now has nine points, and Indiana leads by seven. John Starks hits a foot on the line too to make it fifty-eight to fifty-one. Right. Three minutes and twenty seconds left. I just wrote my notes. Can we figure this out, you guys? Like, just move your foot back behind it's the three-point line. It's so insane. maddening. It's it insane. is so maddening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, with that Starks long two, the Knicks are now on a 6-0 run. It's a mm-hmm. seven-point game. It's only a seven-point game. 58 to 51 with three minutes left. I don't know how yeah. that could humanly be possible. No, But no, no. somehow we're still in the game with three minutes it left. Fe- in the it third. feels like this is a 25-point blowout, uh, and we just want to like get to garbage time and like wrap yeah. this thing up. But somehow they're still in the game. Um, one thing, I, I one little detail, uh, a little Market Square Arena gem here that I think I have to uh, point out. Um, Charles Oakley uh, goes to the foul line, um, uh, and um, as he proceeds to clank his first free throw, Chris, uh, I don't know if you caught this, but one of the sound effects. So Market Square Arena, aside from the race cars, um, had a really like really fun kind of like cheeky um, uh, thing that they did where they played like cartoon sounds um, when players uh, either missed or made uh, free throws. Uh, as we noted, I think in our previous episode, after a um, <laughs> after a made free God. throw by the Pacers, they played the Woody Wood- Woodpecker laugh. What a which weird just, choice! <laughs> so weird. But then, even better than that, Chris, after uh, Oakley misses a free throw, they play the sound of the uh, the wheezing dog, Muttley the dog. <laughs> The wheezing laugh. Um, this is the laugh that the uh, the cookies hoops guys uh, are are always like jokingly using. Oh I don't even want to try to like recreate it because it's honestly one of the worst sounds ever created in human history. But you know what I'm talking about, right? The yes. the, the dog, yeah. like the fucking Hanna Barbera cartoon dog, um, uh, wheezing uh, laugh. Um, yeah, they play that. They play that sound. Uh, literally just torturing their own fans um, and everyone watching this game, uh, which unfortunately includes uh, myself and you. Insane. Um, An insane yeah. choice. Yeah. And I was just like, this This literally is a horror movie, a house of horrors um, that, that has been created, um, a, a personal torture chamber. Derek McKee hits a jumper. Now it is 60 to 51. Pacers are up by nine with two minutes and yeah. 39 seconds. <clears throat> and, um, you know, man, here's the thing. The Knicks have chances, right, in the in this quarter, and they can't convert. Between missed, mm-hmm. field, between missed uh, free throws, um, three set, there's a three-second violation by Mason, um, Ewing with a fumbling turn, turnover in the paint, all these, like, costly mistakes in a game yeah. where they're already being outplayed. Like, the, three the straight the Pacers oh, yeah, have so the Pacers have the momentum they're at home they're finally sinking shots and yet like the Knicks could not be playing worse they could not be like they, they just can't throw the ball in the ocean and yet like they're in the game but then they make these mental miscues that are just like unforgivable yeah uh, on three straight possessions they have a three second violation which was the culmination of just like a terrible possession where they're just like passing up open shots and just like like playing like hot potato with the ball that's their 16th turnover 
Very next possession, as you said, Ewing, um, uh, you know, gets it off, off an entry pass and then just loses it, fumbles it out of bounds. 17th turnover. After that, Anthony Mason gets it in the post and just for no reason just shuffles his feet with uh, while holding the ball. <sighs> Travel, totally unforced error for the 18th turnover. Uh, yeah, Knicks are down now uh, uh, by, I think, 11. But then uh, Hubert uh, Davis actually hits a yeah. big uh, a big three. That big was his three. first basket to pull them within eight. So they're still somehow hanging around. 30 seconds um, left at this point, right? 62. Yeah, 30 seconds left 54. in the quarter when he hits yeah. the, the big three. Um, yeah. And then he and steals then... the ball and he's fouled in the open court. Oh, and, yeah, that's right. And finally, yeah, finally it feels like there's a spark off the bench. And naturally, of course, Hubert Davis misses his first free throw. He goes one for two from the line, and the score is 62 to 55. um, And that is the end of the quarter, 62 to 55. Uh, It's just, to me, it's a miracle the Knicks are only traveling by seven. They have been so handily outplayed. It's comical. Like, the score does not even remotely tell the story. They look awful. They look clownish. And the (laughs) fact that they only trail by seven points is like this unfathomable miracle. But, hey, they're still in the game. 62 to 55, they're in it. And, you know, they are one hard-played quarter away from taking a 3-1 series advantage. Or, you know... It could be two to two. Right. Yeah, I have in my notes the uh, Knicks scoring by quarter so far. 20 points in the first, 19 in the second, 16 in the third. Going great. <sighs> Jesus. Uh, we have a commercial break. I, 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 again, I can't really focus. I can't really care. I remember there was a Ringling Brothers commercial uh, mm-hmm. for, for the circus. I just want to get us in, into quarter four, Ben. Um, yeah, this this uh, this cowboy way uh, uh, TV uh, spot is suddenly the most infuriating yeah, movie sh- commercial. <laughs> I get fucking Woody Harrelson and Kiefer Sutherland off of my television. Yeah, I don't want to hear them in their stupid fake Southern accents. <laughs> um, yeah, really, really awful. Uh, all right, back in the back at Market Square for the fourth. Um, we mm-hmm. have Rick Smiths with a tip back. Now Indy is up by nine. The score is sixty-four to fifty-five. The Pacers are up by nine. Um, Charles Oakley takes a long two. Charles Oakley with his second field goal hit a quarter jump earlier. Throw that jump shot. He has eight points. He drains it, sixty-four to fifty-seven. Pacers are up with eleven minutes and change, and then fucking Charles Oakley. Sloppy performance, and this typifies what has taken place here this afternoon. Air yeah. mails. His inbounds pass. Yeah. Air mails. An inbounds <laughs> pass to Greg Anthony. Turnover Knicks. I mean, oh they are God. giving this game away. Pull the, yeah. And then I just wrote in my notes, pull the starters. Pat Riley needs to pull the starters. This thing is awful. They don't deserve to be out there. All of them. Just get them yeah. out of there. This is embarrassing. At least, like, get people who... It are get people in the game who will play with their head, you know, and yeah. um, it, it's just bad. It's bad. And then, of course, as I'm like cursing Charles Oakley's name to the gods, he turns his ankle on a putback in the paint, rolls yeah. his ankle on the foot of Dale Davis, and now I'm 
totally concerned that like maybe we're going to lose Charles Oakley for the series. Um, yeah, he limps to the bench. She's trying to walk it off on the sideline. But yeah, terrible. it was a bad ankle turn um, coming coming down off a uh, an offensive putback that he flew in for. Um, yeah, not great. Not great at all. Um, but yeah, somehow uh, Knicks are still in it. Yes, it does, and the foul. Uh, Ewing hits a uh, um, a little drop step move over Smiths and the foul. Uh, so Knicks are within six at this point. Nine minutes, seventeen yep. minutes, uh, nine minutes, seventeen seconds left in the in the fourth. We get some more ads here, real quickly. Oh, I love this. Uh, this is a new one. This Acura commercial. elegant very sexy car commercial uh we're getting shots i was a little confused so was it acura (laughs) some things are worth the price is that the that's the one yeah 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 some things are worth the price yeah hey tell it to my friends at mitsubishi that that's all i'll say about that Um, yeah clearly clearly they're they're going for that gallant uh um you know um uh demographic uh you know they're not convincing me um, but, uh, they're certainly not for lack of trying. There's this, this ad has some very, um, you know, expensive looking art. Uh, they're showing some shots of the ballet, uh, mm. you know, European buildings and, and, and architecture. Um, there's a very, uh, beautiful woman in a train dining car. Um, I swear like the, the mood of this, of this ad, um, at first really made me think that they were advertising like a, like a high end escort service. Um, but, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, it turns out it was just a car commercial. Yes. Um, Chuck Daly for Sharp Printers. In basketball or business, you got to know what your players can do for you. That's why Sharp has a winning game plan for copiers. This new video can help you choose the right copier for your business. Sharp's got the players you need to win. Chuck Daly for Sharp Copiers, oh. printer, copier printers, whatever. Cop- yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. in the same, and then in the exact same ad break, like two ads later, we get Bill Walsh. In sport, you better know where your X's and O's are. It's no different in business. So call Sharp for this new winning game plan video. He'll show you how to get the plain paper facts with the lowest cost per copy. Because nothing beats winning. Bill Walsh, also Walsh. for Sharp. Yeah. Bill Walsh and Chuck Daly just selling themselves. Jesus. Um, yeah. Woody Harrelson and Kiefer Sutherland. I don't need it anymore, guys. Cowboy ah, this Way. This fucking Cowboy Way. Like, Stop it. Stop I, it. At this point, I'm irritated. I don't need to Extremely know. annoying. Yeah. Um, I have in my notes, no wonder I never saw this stupid fucking movie. Why would I see this? Yeah. Like, they're irritating me beyond belief. Um, all right. Back at Market Square. Ewing with a drop step. Patrick Ewing squeezing under Rick Smith. Patrick Ewing with a drop step uh, move. 23 points. He now has 23 points. The Knicks are somehow down only by three points. Three points. 67 to 64 with eight minutes and about eight seconds left in the fourth quarter. That is incomparable to me. And then we have an Anthony Mason steal. Mason with the steal. 
the Knicks really working defensively right now, looking to help each other, everybody moving as if they're on a string, and the aggressiveness is getting the picking off those balls. And suddenly the Knicks are right back in this. Incomprehensible. The fact that they like just kind of they, they just never stopped playing defense. So as horrible and uh, and just like disgusting as their offense was, uh, Indiana is really not doing anything either. Um, thanks to the Knicks D. Um, and uh, yeah, Mason with a good steal. Uh, and then so the Knicks are down three with the shot clock going down. Greg Anthony, with one on the shot clock, has to heave an absolute prayer from three. It's down to two. It's the fire. And hits the three. With the shot clock down to one, Greg Anthony with a three-pointer. He has excelled from downtown during the playoffs, and he has tied the game. And hits. And hits. It is a tie game. My holy shit moment. This was my holy shit moment. Greg Anthony drills a three with a hand in his face and the game is tied 67 yeah. all he drains a shot uh, as the shot clock buzzer sounds and his foot was definitely on the line i i <laughs> swear to god as soon as he put it up i just automatically assumed it was the foot on the line too um but miraculously upon they showed the replay like after a, a timeout later and miraculously, his foot was actually a sliver behind the line. Hey, so it was, God. in yeah. fact, a legitimate three-pointer. Maybe the first one in history, uh, a, is... a, an actual <laughs> three-point shot. There's no instant replay at this point in the uh, NBA. Uh, you know, like the refs and coaches can't call for a replay. So uh, it stands. It's a three-pointer. Yeah. Greg Anthony drills a three-pointer, and we are all tied, 67 all. Um, and then we are cutting to commercial. And then, Ben, this is when the Acura ad really sinks in for me. ceramic heads like Acura what some sort of luxury vehicle something about everything has a price or some things are worth the price yeah paying for paying for quality (laughs) Acura Um, equating themselves with like Greek gods and fine art I guess I don't see it I don't know also also tell me if you if you um uh uh, agree with me here but I I could swear that so the the narrator uh for this ad has -hmm. an extremely extremely like aggressively like sultry sexy voice it's a male voice and I'm 95% sure it's Billy Zane I don't know. Oh, I, I I wasn't able to confirm it, but I'm I'm like that. I'm I'm sure that's Billy Zane's voice. I don't know. That's um, wild, man. Yeah, that's wild. But, uh, that's wild. But man, I, I mean, uh, I gotta I gotta tell you that ad uh, got me a little hot under the collar. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. Back at Market Square, an illegal defense. Ewing and Oakley and or Oakley. Someone someone committed an illegal defense. And mm-hmm. uh, the Knicks are called for a technical foul, sends Reggie Miller to the line. He drains the shot, 68-67, to 67, Indiana, up by one. And then at this point, I noted Oakley is really turning it up in the second half. He now has 15 rebounds. 
There's mm-hmm. six minutes and 47 seconds left in the fourth. 15 rebounds along with seven turnovers. Uh, seven for Charles Oakley, who, Jesus reminder, is not a, not a point guard. Not a point guard. Does not handle the ball, uh, usually. Uh, somehow has seven turnovers <laughs> along with those 15 boards. How? Yeah. Like, how does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, it would not be his last. Wow. Just great ball movement here. Anthony Mason with a clutch second chance rebound. And the Knicks are just zinging the ball around the court like a hot potato. And Hubert Davis. Here's Davis for three. Mason with the rebound. Anthony feeds it back to Ewing. Nice ball movement. Davis again. Yes. And that is a three-pointer for Hubert Davis. Drills a corner three, and I can never be sure if uh, if it's a three-pointer and if it counts for three <laughs> points. But this score is now 70 to 68. The Knicks yeah. are winning by two points. There the is... Knicks are on an 11-1 run. It's their first lead since the score was 35-34. Insane. Um, Six yeah, minutes doesn't and make 15 any seconds left. Yeah, incredibly. They are up by two. Uh, and it, 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 this could happen. This could happen. Uh, Indiana can't convert at the other end. Now the Knicks are, like you said, an 11-1 run. Um, the Knicks have a shot clock violation. Now there's five minutes and 30 seconds left. And then Reggie. Reggie Miller has tied the game at 70. Reggie hits mm. uh, a clutch basket coming off a curl. It's 70-70. Tie game. Yeah, crowd is on its feet. Five mm-hmm. minutes and 10 seconds left now uh, after Miller swishes that that jumper. Um, and then, yeah, Greg Anthony clangs a three-pointer. Uh, Miller rebounds, brings it down, gives yeah. it to Smith. Miller had Davis committed, but gets it to Smith. Very wide open switch from the foul line. That's a brilliant find from Reggie to Smiths. Just a a great look. A great look. Strong head fake. Just throws a dart to Smiths in the paint. So now the Pacers are up by two. 72 70. Pacers are up by two with four minutes and 47 seconds left. (laughs) Commercial break. Love on the run on NBC. Two young lovers on a wilderness retreat. I got a really bad feeling about these guys. But this is one vacation. I couldn't have said it better myself. They may never survive. This Sunday, hold on. The adventure in action begins here. Love on the Run, NBC Sunday. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Amazing. I had an an all-caps OMG, Love on the Run, NBC Sunday. Um, Yeah, two young lovers on a wilderness retreat. Uh, Things seem to go wrong. They go a little haywire. Yeah, seems uh, very, very intense. Uh, Yeah, the... (laughs) I think the the ad spot, uh, like the fi- the last uh, words in the ad are just "Oh no!" <laughs> Coming back out of the commercial, we have Pat Riley talking about um, you know the need to win a game here on the road. Riley says, "You know, as you get to this level, you know, getting a win on the road, you're going to have to grind it out. I mean, you're going to have to get a little bit lucky." You're going to have to make some great plays at the end of the game. You're going to have to get maybe a good whistle somewhere along the way. But, um, you know, we have to get a road game. I, I really believe that. And uh, not just for the fact that, that it might help our confidence, but, uh, but I think somewhere along the way you don't want to keep throwing the balls up in the air and thinking you're going to win all your home games. So, uh, you know, today's as good a day as any. Today is as good as any. 
you know, to, to win a game. So uh, sure. Nick's trying to pull this one out. We'll see if, if they can do it. Uh, Reggie drains another backbreaker here. And now yep. the, the score is 74 to 70, four minutes and 15 seconds left. Yeah, Miller with the pull-up off the dribble. Um, he's starting to heat up. Uh, Nick's with a bad possession on the other end. Terrible passing, shot clock violation as Harper throws up a prayer. Larry Brown celebrating just way, way too enthusiastically oh, on the sidelines um, so after that gross. sequence. So like he's, gross. again, he's acting like he's in game seven of the NBA fucking finals. Yeah. Um, the crowd the crowd is chanting Reggie, Reggie, which is just fucking pathetic and sad. Um, I my notes, he's going to be sick. These poor, simple people uh, that don't uh, are not able to form anything beyond a two-syllable word. Um, yeah, Miller with a one-on-one on Harper uh, dribble move draws the foul on Derek Harper. Yep. So that would be Harper's fourth, I believe. Yep. Um, and this is where things really kind of they they went from like sour to like curdled Psychotic. over, yeah. like like poison. Like it went from like like I, milk that if you if mm-hmm. you drink it you'll like get sick and probably throw up to like milk that if you drink it you'll like die of, of poisoning. I assumed that there was going to be a brawl, uh, like during this game. I was like, there oh was, yeah, yeah, I did too. There is going to be a moment where Derek Harper is going to punch Reggie Miller in the face. Yeah, like just cold Miller. Him. Yeah, Miller and Harper were absolutely in each other's faces. And so Miller openly just openly just talking. I mean, yapping oh, yeah. at each other. And like literally in between foul shots, Reggie would just look at him, glare at him, go over and talk to him. And the Derek Harper and Reggie Miller continue to join each other, something that started in the closing seconds of the second quarter. And Derek Harper talking to Miller one more time as he goes up for a second free throw. I mean, right. it's this sort of behavior now to the point. Like, oh, yeah, it would be it would it would just not fly today in today's NBA. Yeah, to the point where after Miller uh, hits his first free throw, he he steps away from the line and walks up to Harper to the point that John Starks is uh, appealing to the ref to try to um, get uh, Miller teed up um, yep. because Miller was just openly taunting him uh, after hitting his first free throw. Uh, of course, he hits his second free throw because Reggie Miller just did not miss free throws. Uh, so it's now 76-70. Marv um, says, quote, for the first time this series, Reggie Miller's impact is being felt. Uh, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, it's about time. Yeah, yeah. Um, then, uh, let's see, Ewing hits a couple of free throws. Um, by the way, he was like uh, s- 7 of 7 from the line at this point, um, mm-hmm. really stepping up. Uh, very next possession, Miller gets the ball, comes off the screen, misses another jumper, but draws another shooting foul on Derek Harper. continued to talk as they were coming down to that end of the floor and Reggie Miller really was working Harper over getting open and putting up the shot as Harper once again tries to challenge that shot that clearly catches Reggie Miller on the right hip and you can't be putting a normal 91% free throw shooter on the line as they're kind of smiling and who knows what they're saying at this particular point. It was nasty at the end of the first half. This looks like it's in a good nature right now, but you don't want to be fooling with this stuff. Who knows what the officials are going to call? You don't want it in a close ball game. You don't want to give up an extra free throw with a technical foul for Tony. 
that was Harper's fourth. Um, and I just have in my notes, oh God, it's happening. Reggie is transforming into the evil, bad Reggie. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, like, this is like the game where he kind of became like activated. It yep. felt like, like this was like the whole, like the sequence. I mean, previous to that, Literally, of course we had the, the fist pumping. Yeah. Um, but wrote, this is like fourth quarter. Like now it actually matters. Yes. Um, and he is just making Harper look like a fool. Um, this possession specifically, I literally think it's this possession where I was like, Harper is talking a lot of smack, but let's face it, it Reggie is cooking him and Harper yeah. needs to shut up. Like whatever yeah. Derek Harper is saying, it's clearly fueling Reggie Miller. Like this yeah. is Re- Reggie Miller is eating this alive. Like he loves this. Reggie is glaring yeah. at Harper. This is giving him life. Shots. Yeah. He yeah. needed like he was ice cold. Like he couldn't, he couldn't get anything going in this series. And this second half is when it all turned around. I mean, it, it's, it's this game when it all turned around. It's when he raised his fists in, oh, a, in, in the V for victory and looked up <laughs> to the heavens, but specifically like once he realized he needed to start chirping with Derek Harper, I feel like that's yeah. when he found his mojo. And that's really what he needed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Right. Um, so yeah, of course he drills his next two free throws. Pacers are up 78, 72, on the other end, Oakley throws up a, just a disgusting shot um, where he just kind of, like, I have in my notes, he never, Oak, Charles Oakley, like, never actually shot it when he was in the paint. He would just kind of, like, force the ball up into the air. Like, somehow he would just kind of, like, push it into the air in the direction of the rim and, like, hope that it, like, maybe dropped in or maybe there was, like, a foul or maybe he would, like, be able to get the offensive rebound. But, like, when he was, like, shooting in the paint... Like, obviously, like, sometimes he would shoot, like, you know, long jumpers, and those were, like, an intentional, like, you know, shooting motion with, like, you know, decent form, and sometimes he would hit those. But whenever he was in the paint, because there was always so much contact, he would just, like, fling the ball up. Like, there was, like, never an intentional move to, like, actually, like, make, make, like, a a strong, like, finish. It was just, like, let me just get the ball up, and then maybe something else will happen. Um, That was ever, that was only his, his, his only plan ever. Um, anyway, so that's a miss. Um, uh, Indiana rebounds. It's a fast break oh, now. Boy. Two on one. Uh, Workman pushing it down. Gives it to Miller, who was fouled hard by Derek Harper. Workman out of the pack, leading Miller. And Miller fouled by Harper. And they have word. Miller immediately kept away by Antonio Davis. And this is when I was like, there's going to be a brawl yeah. um, on, the, on the baseline. So um, immediately I, was, I wrote my notes, Ben, is this a flagrant? Like, I mean, it would certainly be a flagrant. It certainly, it would be today, yeah. Yeah, in today's NBA, that would get you maybe even, like, uh, like ejected or something like that. Yeah, I mean, Um, Harper did get his hands on the ball, so they, you know, they were able to say, like, oh, he was making a play on the ball, but along with the ball, he also had his elbows and forearms just all over Reggie Miller's head, just, like, swiping down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Going for the block, absolutely just, like, crushes him in the head, and I just wrote in my notes, someone is going to get killed. Um, yeah, eighty to seventy-two. Two minutes left. 
Um, now yeah, yeah. Have- Miller hits Miller hits a free throw. Glares, glares yep. back at Derek Harper. Um, and, uh, of course bounces in his second at this point, every time Miller steps to the line, I would just write in my notes, uh, makes two free throws before I would even watch it happen. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I wrote, and then I just, he would just, I, I would pencil in the score before he even shot. I just knew. Yeah. That yeah. Was it was yeah. just, it was obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, on the other end, Starks drains a huge three. Oh man. Yeah. Now it's a five point game, 80 to yeah. 75, 145 left. Indy can't convert. It goes back to the mm-hmm. Knicks. And I wrote in my notes, Ben, I'm breathing way too heavily for a game that happened 25 years ago. This is <laughs> yeah. not okay. This yeah. is not okay. Yeah, we get a timeout with a minute 35 to go. Knicks have the ball. 80 to, They trail 80 to 75. Um, and I just have uh, this game is a fucking grind to get through. Um, yeah, I am not not happy, not enjoying myself. So this is uh, the the jump ball where Harper has it knocked yep. away after a double team off the inbounds pass. Everyone dives to the floor. Uh, there's a scramble, jump ball. Indiana controls it, um, and now we've got just over a minute to go. Uh, Knicks play some amazing defense yep. here, though. Uh, Force a 24 second violation. Yep. Um, so they get the ball back, but it burns up, of course, 24 seconds. So there's only a minute and five seconds to go now. Nick's still down by five. Um, and then we have Harper missing a three. Offensive rebound, Mason back into Ewing, who's double teamed in the paint, tries to kick it out to Harper at the three-point line. Ball just sails over his head into the backcourt. New York's terrible, 20, 24th terrible, turnover terrible. with 34 seconds remaining. Incredible. Back, back-breaking back play. I mean, that was kind of the game right there. Yep. Um, but somehow, somehow it wasn't the game. Somehow, when I'm like, okay, finally the pain, you know, the suffering is over. Is over. I, can, I can close out my browser and go do something else with my day. No, no. 35 seconds left. There is plenty more pain to come. Um, because Indiana um, uh, can't get it in bounds. There's a timeout. There's a few more ads here that I feel like we have to kind of just blow through. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, we got our Marshall, roommates. Penny Marshall and DeVito are on Leno. Uh, yeah, on Leno. A lot of people on Leno this week. Promoting Renaissance Man, no doubt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we get some liquid ball bearings from Pennzoil. Oof. Um, yeah. We get a, a pretty delightful uh, salt and pepper. Uh, I love. We love oh, this yeah. game spot. What do we love about the NBA? You know, it's kind of hard to explain. Yeah, it's, it's the. the, 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 the um, I like that a lot. What a man, what a man. We get Marv doing a little ad read for Fresh Prince, Blossom, and Roommates. You can wrap up your Memorial Day weekend with the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Blossom. Followed by the critically acclaimed world premiere movie starring Randy Quaid and Eric Stoltz. Roommates, that's tonight right here on NBC. Gotta check out Roommates. Then, yeah, more timeouts, more ads. Uh, We get a big birthday cake on the roof of Alexis. I have my notes. Boy, I sure wish an Azuzu Rodia would blast through that birthday cake. Um, (laughs) Sadly, that did not happen. Um, And then, and then, so back to the game. Yeah. An unbelievable sequence. There's a steal off the inbounds pass. Again, Indiana has the ball up five. 
30 seconds left. Knicks steal it off the inbounds. Ewing grabs it. The steal. Here comes Starks. And Starks lays it in. With 30 seconds to go, the Indiana lead is down to three. Pushes it ahead to Starks, who's able to lay it in. Incredible. It's 80 to 77. Three-point game. 30 seconds to go. Amazing. Now, you would think, 30 seconds to go. Okay, it's a three-point game. One possession game. 30 seconds. That's 30 more seconds. than 24 seconds. Right. Yeah, that's... So you'll get the ball back if you just play good defense. D up. No, yeah. no need, no need to foul. But of course... Patrick Ewing immediately fouls Derek McKee uh, uh. as soon as they inbound the ball. They actually show Pat Riley screaming on the sideline, no foul, no foul. Yep. And then when Ewing fouls, he's just like, oh, just like reacts like he was just like shot in the sh- in the stomach. Um, and then you're like, okay, that was a dumb, that was just a mental error. Now the game is over, right? No, no, not yet, Chris, because Derek McKee would proceed to go to the line and miss both free throws. Holy shit. <laughs> Um, yeah, so now the Knicks have the ball with 26.5 to go, and it's a three-point game. They could tie with a three. They have no business, no business whatsoever. After turnover, after turnover, mental error after mental error, missed shot. Like, this game should have been over, like, a half an hour ago. Um, uh, Marv notes uh, a quick correction that Fresh Prince will be starting at 8 p.m., not 7 p.m., uh, for those of you making evening plans, um, that was a really, really, apparently very critical thing. He had to like squeeze in there uh, right, right before play resumed with 26 seconds left uh, in a playoff game. Um, and then, yeah, here we go. Yeah, can I give you one specific detail? I just want to point out it's a visual thing. It's not unlike our Charles Oakley Gatorade can. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. This is, this is our Gatorade can moment of this series. So the frame is two hours, 41 minutes, uh-huh. 30 seconds. Do you see the? Uh, do you see Larry Brown drawing up a play? Yeah, we see Larry kneeling in the huddle, yeah. Great. So I want you to look at the T-shirt. I don't know if it's a ball boy or someone like with a towel, <laughs> but is yeah. that not a Pacers T-shirt with the words bark, 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 bark written all over it? Ben, is oh this my God. Not- is this not a rally cry? Is this not? Is that a dog pound reference is what I'm asking? Oh, is that a whiteboard a... dog pound W-G-D-O-G-S oh. dog pound reference? Oh, my God. There was an Indiana Pacers bark, bark. It says, yeah, let me hear you at the top. Disgraceful. And it has Disgraceful. bark, 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 bark in all caps, like with like weird like highlighter, highlighter coloring on it. Yeah. Uh, when a big and to be clear, a big Pacers logo right in the middle. So it's clearly a Pacers branded team. The Pacers uh, t-shirt. I mean, this Indiana and looks, Pacers uh, are thieves. They feel that they are the rightful dog pound. Oh my uh, god! Insane. I was like, may, yeah. am I seeing things? But no, that is what that says, right? That is criminal. And what a just what a what an absolutely like disgusting looking like visually sure. like repugnant yeah i mean the yes. colors the everything is the lettering it, it looks like it was made by a child um yes uh, yes and yeah not wow incredibly incredibly unpleasant to look at all right thank let's you move, for pointing that out yes I, it had to be seen let's move into the final the final moment here <sighs> yeah do the honors if you will 18, 19 seconds left. Knicks are just looking for something here, a little daylight. You're wondering who's going to shoot this final three-point shot, get us back in the game. 10 seconds left. Now we have Patrick 
on the top of the three-point line. You know Patrick's yeah. not going to be pulling the trigger. He has to come out real real far to set a pick for Starks. Now there's... Starks comes off the pick. He gets double-teamed, so Patrick is open, but he's like pretty far out yeah, in the three-point line. Yeah, seven, eight seconds left. The shot clock is at five, and just off to Patrick's right side, right along the right baseline is Hubert Davis. Patrick pitches the ball over, and of course... Ben, it's another turnover. Turnover number 26, folks. Goodbye. No, wait, I, I'm sorry. That was actually, that was turnover number 25. Yep. Um, they would actually be able to squeeze in one more turnover after that. This game um, is over as far as I'm concerned. I'm done with you. I'm done. The Knicks are yeah. forced to foul. Patrick puts too much mustard on his pass to Hubert Davis. He airmails the ball into the stands. And uh, yeah, and then at this point, uh, Hayward Workman is fouled with five seconds left. Workman misses Mm -hmm. the first. (laughs) Incredibly. Right. So here's the thing. Like the game just will not let you put it put it away um like it it won't it's just like it's slowly suffocating you but it won't kill you nope it's just like making you suffer um what's just like literally like a a torture victim like a boa constrictor the way it's just like like suffocating you like just strangling you yeah you're just hanging out knowing like well this is i'm going to die but i'm not i can't have i can't feel the sweet relief of death just yet um i just have to like sit here and suffer yes um and that was this game um like every time you're like okay this should be it they would be like nope workman has to miss his first free throw just to squeeze that last little bit of breath out of you um and then of course barely bounces in the second um so five seconds left now. Knicks trail four. The game is effectively over. But just for good measure, Chris, yeah. Charles Oakley tosses an inbounds pass right out of bounds. Airmail's for, another one for Patrick. <laughs> yeah. For Oakley's eighth turnover of the game, the team's 26th turnover of the game. Um, Miller is then intentionally fouled. And um, uh, you'd never guess it, Chris. Uh, he hits his final two free throws. Yep. Imagine that. Um yeah, Reggie Miller finishes the game with 31 points, 17 of 19 from the line. Um, just killing you in the most painful, torturous way possible. Um, yeah, 13 of his 31 came in the fourth quarter. Final score is 83-77 Pacers. I want to point Time out series Larry, Larry Brown and assistant coach Bill Blair celebrating it's absolutely disgusting. Assistant coach Bill Blair and Larry Brown certainly enjoying the moment. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep, I see it. The big old high five. I mean, just terrible. Look at these creeps. Uh, Look at were they, these was creeps. It, it was like a high five, and then he misses He misses the second high five. Oh, Does all right, yeah. Larry is standing. Like a... Yeah, so Larry is standing. The assistant coach is sitting behind mm-hmm. him. Larry does like a weird one-armed like fist pump. like like a yes. Not even like a pump. It's more of a like... Like, like a, a back thrust? and forth, like he's yeah, like it's almost a fist like you thrust. would like you would like like thrust your hips or something. It's like very uh, very odd. Um, yeah, it's very weird and and vaguely lewd, I would say. Yes. And then the assistant gets excited by Bill that. Blair. Slaps Bill Blair. Bill Blair. He, he has <laughs> a name, Ben. Name. <laughs> Bill Blair. <laughs> Bill Blair wearing a really weird light gray suit. Um, yep. 
Yeah, slaps Larry like does like a low five, expecting uh to like have another. He uh, it's a very weird move. Yes, it's a very oh, no, weird no. so move. Larry 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 slaps him five, <laughs> and then the guy goes up expecting like one of those like Bill. oh I slap you you slap me. Yes, Bill <laughs> Bill Blair. Um, so when he goes to slap down to to complete the you know the 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 the, the combo high f- low five, uh, Larry is already turned yes. around. Yes, um, and he just completely whiffs on this on the second low five. Yes, um, right before they cut back to Miller icing the game with a second free throw. All right, next thing um, I want to talk about whew. here is Reggie talking to Ahmad. You mean with his arm firmly around Ahmad? All right, thanks, Mark. Reggie, what a change in attitude and intensity in this team in the last couple of games. Well, we felt we gave two games away in New York. We weren't playing with the same intensity that got us to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, it was really a gut check for us. We just wanted to come out and play hard. And uh, we knew the things that we weren't doing in games one and two. And I think we're doing them in uh, the last two games. You guys had a team meeting on Friday, turned everything around. Well, we knew we had to get to Patrick. Patrick is the key to their team. Uh, the hustle points, the, the hustle, loose balls, everything we had to do. And uh, I think we did that in games three and four. A lot of people talked about the offense, but the defensive effort today was really there. They're rated 25 turnovers. That's what got us here, was defense. And uh, they don't want to give us credit for our defense, but if we can continue to play like this, uh, anything can happen in this series. Well, there's signs in your locker room saying we got to believe. Do you guys believe you can go back to New York and take one? Well, for us to win the series, that's what we have to do. Um, we were close in games one and two, but we've got to get over the hump. It's going to be tough there, but um, it's a new series now. All right, great game today, Reggie. Good luck to you next week. Thank you. All right, back to you, Mark. Reggie with his arm around Ahmad in the post game. Like they're like they're just best buds, just like Disgusting. talent around. Disgusting. Yeah. Reggie and Ahmad are going to go hit the club right after this. Uh, Reggie and Larry Brown planning their dinner of Ahmad Rashad, planning an absolute feast on Ahmad Rashad. Reggie says, quote, they don't want to give us credit for our defense, referring to the Knicks. Um, Just deplorable, man, the whole thing. Can we talk about um, the fact that uh, along with the race car sounds, you can see it in the background here of Reggie and Ahmad, but we have to mention the Market Square Arena blimp, the little mini yes, blimp. Yes, the blimp. Um, that, of course, like certain arenas would use. Um, uh, Orlando was another one that that I, that I think had one uh, in in '94. Um, this do? was a, this was a it was, it was a fad. It was purely a fad. I guess maybe it had a camera on it. I don't know. It was like a little remote control blimp. Um, but like clearly like big enough to block uh, a lot of people's vision, I would assume, uh, in the arena. But you know they thought it was cool and fun or whatever, so they had a stupid little fucking blimp, um, yellow and white, uh, <laughs> looking like a ch- like literally a children's toy, yeah. like floating around in the yeah. background. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very very uh, sad and pathetic. And then we need to talk about Larry Brown joining Marv at the booth, and he mm. he goes over, he puts the headset on Ben. Indiana coach Larry Brown with us. Larry, we were talking prior to the game about the fact that it has been such a quiet series for Reggie Miller, and you said you were concerned you'd rather see him talk it up, both uh, on and off the court. We saw some taunting involved here today. I don't know if it was taunting, but uh, he got 31 points, so obviously something worked. I think... uh, I think the key is he's got to look to take his shots, and um, he really came out aggressive 
and look to take shots. Some of them, you know, you go, say no, no, good shot. But uh, the fact that he was aggressive, if you call it taunting, I call it chit-chat. Chit-chat. Right. Okay. Friendly chit-chat. I would hope so, because uh, I think those two guys have great respect for each other. Larry, the confidence level, obviously very low when you're down 0-2. It's certainly on a different level right now. What do you have to do to go into New York and steal a game? Well, I, I wouldn't call it stealing, but uh, we got to build on the fact that we had a big lead, they came back, and then in their fourth quarter, we came back and, and got control again, and I think that's a big factor. Uh, we could have given up. I think the Knicks could have given up, but uh, the key was we didn't, and so we got to build on the fact that we won in the fourth quarter in crunch time. Larry, congratulations on the victory. Thanks a lot, Mark. He's got mm -hmm. that grin on his face, Ben. Like he has just scored some major hedge fund deal and mm -hmm. he wants to go out tonight and party. This is a yeah, guy he that has a, he has a, fr a fresh living human victim in his basement um, that he is going to get to have all sorts of fun with tonight. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's giddy. He can barely contain his zeal, his giddiness. Um, <laughs> he looks elated he looks yeah. so pleased and i am terrified with how he's gonna celebrate he he refers marv asks him asks him about reggie miller and Derek harper taunting he asks uh he asks um larry brown about reggie's taunting and larry calls it quote chit chat he won't yeah he, he won't call it taunting he just says oh it's a little chit chat it's nothing um and just it's it's just my blood is boiling, man. My blood mm -hmm. is boiling here. I cannot wait for uh, for game five. I need to avenge this loss. Yeah, it can't come soon enough. Uh, this was a thoroughly, thoroughly um, just uh, terrible. To add, just uh, I'm trying to find the words to 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 put to this. But, I need to um, move on, man. Like, like yeah, three. Like honestly, games three and four of the series might be. The two, like, you know, we talk about, like, un, quote-unquote, unwatchable basketball. Um, and I think you and I have both agreed, like, these games are, are, are actually, like, way more fun and entertaining than I, than I sort of would have expected, yeah. um, you know, being so conditioned with, you know, modern basketball. Um, but these two games, games three and four of the Indiana Knicks series, uh, probably the two most unwatchable consecutive basketball games I've ever, I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I would say, they, like, I just for, can't... For me, they're unwatchable, like... I mean, certainly stylistically, like there's tons of misses and turnovers. But for me, what's unwatchable is like the emotional pain and trauma. Like for yeah. me, it's the it's the disgust, it's the hatred that I feel. Mm -hmm. Like it is my true heart of darkness uh, moment here. Like it is the most like vile, awful thing to feel like the venom in the blood. And dude, like I said, I need I need this game, I need this podcast to be over. I need this game over. I need to get us to game five. Is yeah. do you know is game five in New York or in Indiana? Game five is in New York, I believe. Okay, um, yeah, that would make sense. I, five would be yeah, in New York, six would be still in two, Indiana. Yeah, still two two one 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 in New York. Yeah, exactly. They they the Ugh. the finals would be a two three two format. But yeah, for game five, we head back to the garden. Uh, mercifully well, can't and, come um, soon enough man i it's just it yeah. can't come soon enough i don't know what to tell you clear your schedule ben like i need you to watch that thing as soon as possible i need to record that game five podcast as soon as possible because this does not feel good i don't want to walk agreed i don't want to walk around in my everyday life harboring these ugly feelings that i currently have um so we need to exercise these demons we need a w 
Um, yep. We are going back to Madison Square Garden here for Game 5 of the 1994 Eastern Conference Finals. Ben, I would say this has been a lot of fun, but frankly, it's been pretty traumatic. So No, this has been awful. This has been a, an absolute grind. Uh, this has not been a fun episode. Um, uh, frankly, I'm, I'm ready to wrap this up as, uh, the sooner the better. Yeah, I want you to get some sleep tonight. Um, try not to drink too much. Try to take care of yourself. And yeah, I won't be doing... I will be drinking and I will not be taking care of myself. Let's wake so you know. up tomorrow. Tomorrow is a new day. Let's get back on the horse tomorrow. We need a W here at Madison Square Garden for Game 5. I will see you at the Mecca of Basketball, the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden for Game 5. And uh, have a good one, man. Get some sleep. Let's rest up. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you in a little bit. All right. All right. Sounds good. I have nothing more to say. Let's uh, let's put this one behind us. All right. Later. My name is Chris Wendelk, and this is On The Line. You can tweet at us at onthelime underscore pod. Find us on Instagram. Check out previous episodes on our website, onthelinepodcast.com. Please rate, review, subscribe to the show. Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, wherever you get podcasts. I hope you guys are great. I hope you're staying safe. Please stay inside. Enjoy watching all of these uh, old NBA games with us on on YouTube. Uh, The account that we're watching these games on is Pick and Roll UK. Uh, Salute to that guy and uh, stay safe and we will talk to you real soon.